It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Audio Boom, because we're on different audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. Um, and I'm joined by a man tonight who is giving us a Rod Stewart impression, but slightly under the weather, we've got the brilliant Jason McGovern back with us. Jace, how are you? Lovely to have you here. Yeah, I've been in, I've been in better, better form, mate, but uh, enjoying this international break. Two, two fantastic Gareth goals came equaling uh, the 49 goals. Stephen Bergvine with two and just the highlight was Christian Eriksen scoring with that first touch. And, uh, you know, what a brilliant human story that is. And uh, it's made up for me missing the cricket, which is a disaster. <laughs> well, I mean, Jason, listen, I'm sure uh, everyone will see you guys to the left of your screen as you're doing right now. We'll know exactly where we are with the cricket because there'll be a lot of people keeping you updated in the comments, I'm sure, here. Um, so lovely to have you with us. Thank you so much, as always, the wonderful Jason McGovern. Now, joining us back on the last one on Spurs, uh, when they were last on, they were in the midst of a January transfer window. It's safe to say... It's a, I was going to say it's a little bit quieter, but it hasn't really been for these guys. It's still non-stop, and you probably would have seen, again, uh, more content, of course, over the weekend and Friday um, with regards to the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust and the club. So delighted and lovely to get the brilliant co-chairs back on the last one on Spurs. First up, we've got the great Martin Cloak back on. Martin, lovely to have you here. How are you doing? Good to be here. Yeah, not, not too bad. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's busy as always, So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's all good. So enjoying the uh, early spring. I would say is it good busy, but I'm sure we'll come on to that and probably cover that off in the in obviously in the show. We'll we'll soon find that out in terms of the general mood, um, and also delighted to be welcoming back to the show. I must add, Kat and Martin, they've uh, they've not they've seen a lot of each other over the past what 24, 48, 72 hours. So we've got them back as a duo once again. We've got the brilliant Katrina Law also on the Tottenham Master Supporters Trust board. Kat, 
How are you? Lovely to have you back with us here. I'm always good when I see your lovely face. Oh, bless her. Isn't she so everything sweet? Everything in the world is perfect. Oh. Well, I mean, I'm... birthday party yesterday in Hampshire and only got back today. Oh. Uh, yeah, the trust never sleeps. So it's it, no, no, it it bad busy, but, you know. Yeah. What is... We put ourselves up for it, so we'll suck it up. If only people know how we arrange this show, we've got obviously voice clips going in a car. It's all you know. There's no, there's no formal documental paperwork here. It's uh, definitely not the, uh, well, definitely the Madison Square Gardens just yet. But let's see where we go. Um, first, before we do get going, uh, Martin, Cat, obviously you guys have been on the show numerous times. I think it's maybe worth just um, if you'd like to give us a bit of an overview for any new listeners, uh, any new viewers, as to exactly what your role does incorporate on the Tottenham Hotspur Sports Trust Board. Yeah, so we're an independent fan organisation. Uh, we're formally constituted. We are a community benefit society regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. So uh, a lot of acronyms and a lot of important sounding stuff there. Essentially, we're like a union. Uh, we're run by fans for fans. And our job is to strengthen the ties between the fan base, the club and the community that it serves. So that's in a nutshell what a trust is. Um, there are, Martin, how many are in the country now? There's over 100, aren't there? Trust in the country. Yeah, over 100 trusts at clubs all the way through the pyramid. Exactly. Uh, we uh, are affiliate members of the Football Supporters Association. So they're our umbrella organisation. So we also work on national issues as well as domestically and locally on issues at Tottenham Hotspur. And um, we'll tend to run across everything that is considered to be off field. So anything around governance, anything around kind of match day experience. I know it sounds like marketing speak when you talk about fan touch points. But, you know, transport, ticket pricing, access, security, policing, food and beverage. So the good old chips on their own. Chips. Chips on their own. Justice for chips. Come, justice for chips. Come back into play again. So Can you get me justice um, for coleslaw? I haven't heard that one. I need some justice for <laughs> coleslaw. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write that down. Just, just coleslaw. Yeah, apparently, Jason, I'm all we do is chips. All we do, I've read on Twitter that all we do is, is talk about chips. So... <laughs> That was our thought, obviously, back in the Love Sport days. Remember, we care paid hard for that cat. That was brilliant. It was, a, it was oh. an amazing victory. And I think we have got it listed as a success on the homepage of our website. So there you go. I'll credit you guys, actually, for that. So, yeah, so that's, that's more or less what we do. So what we don't do is uh, get involved in transfers, pick the team, pick the managers. Uh, far better quality. You sound like, you sound like Jason's favourite people. Jason's up oh, your street, isn't <laughs> Don't talk about football. Don't do the managers. <laughs> We're a membership organisation. Uh, anybody can join. There is no criteria restrictions. Well, hopefully you'd be a Spurs fan or it'd be a little bit weird. But apart from that, no no, uh, no membership criteria. Uh, we have a, a free strand of membership, associate membership, so you can join for nothing. Or if you want to get more involved and you want to get involved in voting and elections and all that kind of stuff, then our adult membership is £10 a year for, you know, full, full adults. And it's £5 a year for seniors and totally free for juniors. Um, globally, we represent about 27,000 members. So that's the trust in the Whistle Stop Talk. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, listen, we have got a packed show, so we will get straight into it. Um, so really, there's been a lot happening over the course of the last week, uh, last well, say a couple of months with Spurs in terms of uh, season ticket renewals. I know that's obviously a high topic on the agenda of the trust. I know many will be tuning into the show to find out where exactly we are with that. So, um, I mean, Spurs have previously announced that they will be freezing this isn't to get prices for next season with a deadline for renewals of April the 29th, which is almost a month before the Premier League season actually ends. So 
at the moment, you know, there is some uncertainty till, uh, sorry, some uncertainty over the current manager's future, Antonio Conte, as well as uh, the current financial difficulties that many people are facing in the UK. As obviously, we know over here in terms of the rising cost, and I know some supporters claim that really it's a cynical way of getting the fans money in as soon as possible when we still don't really know um, what competition the club will be planning in terms of Europe, if any competition at all whatsoever. Um, so obviously the supporters trust in combination with two other Spurs fan groups, and that's being the Paralleled Whites and the Spurs ability asked that the club consider pushing that date back of the deadline. However, the trust did exclusively reveal on Friday that the club was sticking with its original decision. And part of that THSC statement, which obviously you guys were a part of, said that you believe the club's decision to reject calls to push the season ticket renewal date back had not presented the club in a good light. So, um, Cap King, to really ask you, you know, are you surprised or are you shocked by the fact that the club are sticking by their guns, given the current relationship between, I would say, supporters and the board right now? I'm going to come on to that in a minute. I'm going to rewind back as to what we lobbied for and why, because I think that might have been some context. Yep. So we did lobby for a price freeze, and we're pleased that they delivered that. So that was good. Uh, for a bit of background, many other Premier League clubs are increasing their prices for next season on the back of COVID and on the back of their increasing operational costs. However, we do need to keep it in context that our season ticket prices have sharply increased over the last four to five years to become amongst the most expensive in the whole of Europe. So a rise in this current financial climate would have been pretty unpalatable, to be honest. Traditionally, renewal deadlines at Tottenham have been in May, so post-season end. And again, other clubs in the Premier League, some have later deadlines, so June and July. Some have earlier deadlines, so even some have deadlines in March. But lots of those with earlier or equivalent deadlines to an end of April will offer what they call an early bird discount. So there'll be some incentive to renew early, which I think makes it an awful lot more palatable. And let's be honest, that the price of season tickets at places like Burnley are probably a third or a half of what we're paying. So there's a much greater outlay at Tottenham. So it becomes really imperative that fans are given time to plan and fans weren't expecting an April renewal. So on a purely financial footing, it's caused a lot of anxiety to a lot of people. Now, there's also the argument that fans want to know what competitions we're going to be playing in next season before they renew. And it's true that we don't have cup vouchers in our season ticket packs at Tottenham, but we do have something called gold membership, which means that you've basically signed up to agree to attend every home cup game blind without knowing who the draw is going to be against. And they'll automatically take your money out. So it does kind of matter which competitions that you're, that you're playing in. Now, in fairness, unless Conte walked the minute that the season ended or Harry Kane signed a contract extension on the 31st of May or, you know, whenever the season, between that week after season ends and when we'd ask for a deadline to be, we're, we're unlikely to know what's going to go on over the summer. And we definitely won't know what's happening in the transfer window by the end of May. So for us, it was less about wanting to know what was going on with the manager and the squad before renewing, but more about respecting that people have bought a seasonal product last spring and then were being asked to buy another one before that one had ended. And they weren't given sufficient notice. We also, in all of our discussions with the club, can't see any valid reason why the club needs the money before the end of April. They've not given us a straight answer on that. So ourselves, along with the Proud Lilywhites and Spurs Ability, who were the three recognised fan groups at Tottenham, 
had asked if they consider accepting a deposit for the 29th of April with full payment by the 31st of May, which they rejected. So that's the history on that. Now, you asked me if we were shocked or if we surprised, were surprised that they stuck to their guns. Uh, probably won't surprise you when I say no. Uh, sadly, uh, we're extremely used to the club's board making decisions in their own interest with little or zero consultation in advance and ignoring and dismissing appeals for reconsideration. They're very thick-skinned and they're incredibly stubborn. Uh, so they've, oh, you know, out of hand, they have rejected an appeal from all three of their recognised fan groups. So this isn't about the trust having no influence. This is about all of their, their fan groups asking for uh, a reconsideration in that deadline and rejecting that. I think that this illustrates how important it is then that fan influence and the fan voice is genuinely embedded in the decision-making process at Spurs. So decisions such as this should be discussed at supervisory or shadow board level, which is what's been recommended under Tracy Crouch's fan-led review recommendations. And we, as a trust, need to ensure that that new body really does have teeth and really does have the power to push back on decisions that are damaging and detrimental to the fan base. So... For now, on the topic of renewals, all we can say is that any fan who is in genuine financial difficulty and is really going to struggle to pay their season ticket in full by the 29th of April or for whatever reason won't qualify for the, um, the, the uh, finance scheme, V12 finance scheme, where you can apply essentially for credit and pay uh, for 10 over 10 equal payments. If, if you're not going to qualify for that because you're currently not working or you're freelancing or there's an issue with your credit score, then we would recommend contacting the ticket office, a ticket to office at tottenhotspur.com and asking them for a one-to-one -one consultation and seeing what they'll negotiate with you on a case-by-case -case basis. So that's as far as we've managed to get. We're extremely disappointed that they um, weren't more accommodating given the cost of living crisis and the exceptional times that everyone's in. And also given the fact that we genuinely cannot see any reason why they need this money by the end of April. Just wonder, Jace, do you have a view on this? Um, I know we haven't really had a chance to discuss, discuss it in, a, in lots of detail because of the nature of the games we've had so many in such a short space of time. Well, I think I think Kat's right. You know, we're not surprised by by the club's stance at all. We knew that they'd find you know people they'll use every plausible thing that people need to move seats. So we need to lots more time because the stadium's bigger. Next season starts earlier. So we need to have the season ticket renewal date that a little bit earlier. Nothing surprises you at all. And there are times you think, you know, what what is it that the club don't have on the board that 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 understands the, the modern society we live in and the modern the modern way supporters think? It's it's like they're so so far removed from from the from the issues that supporters have with it. And um, you know, it, it is we are paying. I mean, when Cat says the dearest prices in Europe, I shouldn't think there's too many countries in the world dearer than than our price, let alone in Europe. And um, you know, there should be a. There's got to be a little bit more more of a feeling from the club to understand that. And with with other prices, which are obviously beyond the club's control, but when energy prices are going up and fuel prices are going up, there, there comes a stage where people are stretched. And uh, just some recognition from the club, as you say, be it an early bird discount, be it a, a payer deposit now and the rest, you know, anything like that to help. And yet they shut that down and it's just, no, give us your money as soon as possible. And it's, it's it, you're right, it's not a good feeling for the club at all. Can I ask you guys, I mean, we've had um, a couple of questions on it. I mean, Jay, one of the questions we had in this week, uh, he says, how is the relationship 
been with the club uh, since you asked the entire ball to resign. But I mean, I think I want to just caveat that and just say on this, rather than going into that again, more a case of just finding out where is the relationship right now on the back of the fact that they're sticking with their decision. Does that ultimately change the relationship at all whatsoever? Or is it the same as what it was before? And if you can update us where it was before, (laughs) that'd be great. I'll start and then Martin, by all means, jump in. I mean, I think it's always been kind of uh, multifaceted, if that's the right explanation, a relationship. It operates on on um, multi-levels. It's, it's very layered. So uh, we have a relationship with the executive board that, in fairness, hasn't been great since the ESL. Um, and I'm going to stick to our guns here. We're, we're the wrong party. <laughs> you know, we, we, as, we as fans had our club board decide to try and take our club into the ESL and effectively destroy the entire football pyramid in this country. So, uh, you know, there you go. Um, So there is definitely some, uh, let's say, legacy issues around that, and being honest with you. Um, The relationships that we have with heads of department are really, really good. Uh, So there's an awful lot of good staff um, and good people that work at Tottenham, and they very much do try their best to do the best for fans as well. So in the ticketing department, in their membership department, in their safety and security departments, in their catering departments, these are all really good people. And we have very strong relationships with them and with the support and liaison officer on a day-to-day basis. So it's it's multi-layered. I mean, the future relationship between the trust and the club will cover later, I think, uh, because that will depend on implementation from the fan-led review and where that leaves us and any potential panel advisory panel or supervisory board etc but martin have i have i been have i been fair yeah i think you've been fair i mean i think i think that question from jai needed a bit more context around what the question was uh you know as well that it wasn't an easy call that we made for for the executive board to resign but you know we've been asking them for 18 months directly are you planning to go into a european super league and they'd been indicating that they weren't so it's a bit difficult to then convince people of the value of going into a conversation with the people that you're having a conversation with aren't telling you the truth. Well, you're telling you the full story that uh, goes in there. Don't forget that at the time, the talk was that the clubs that went into the Super League or tried to break away and go into the Super League could be facing financial penalties, transfer bans, competition bans, point deductions or whatever. So one of the discussions at the meeting where that vote was taken, which was the biggest meeting of trust members we ever had, was, you know, do the individuals who took the decision need to distance themselves from the club? You know, there, there, there's there's an issue there. So, and, and Kat said, you know, let's remember what they were doing. I mean, I don't know if people watched the Sky documentary, uh, Superbreed, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, that that if they'd have broken away, the, the entire English football pyramid would have been finished. It would, it would have been the end of the game as we know it in this country. So it's something that didn't just affect Spurs, it affected the whole game and that the unity among supporters and the opposition to what they were trying to do um, was pretty huge. So we were kind of left with no alternative there. Of course, it's meant the relationship is pretty fractious. And of course, they're still there as well. We've got to get on with it. But the thing is that, you know, sometimes I think people think that, I think sometimes people pretend to think that we're stupid so they can have a go at us. And sometimes people generally do think we're stupid. We know that in the end, the club, no football club really, at the top level of the game, wants to sit down and give its supporters any say in what it's doing at all. That doesn't mean we shouldn't keep pushing. And we've spent the last 10 years trying to, you know, stick our foot in the door and have the conversation. And I'm sure I'll get shouted at next time we talk to the club for saying this as well. You know, sometimes they've had conversation with us and we've sat down. Sometimes we'll talk about some of the really positive things later on in the show that we've managed to achieve. But generally what the club do is that they see us as a standing board 
to bounce ideas off of. But when they get an idea back that they don't like, they don't listen. And a lot of the time, we, we get told about things, and they say, well, we've consulted you because we told you what we we're going to do. Well, that's called a fate conflict. You know, that's not consultation. So, you know, the relationship's a bit fractured, as, as you think it would be. We did what we had to do. We've made our feelings very clear as an organisation. Most of our members, you know, the vast majority of our members seem to back that, and we've got to get on with it. Um, you know, any any set of anybody who's ever been in negotiations knows that the people that are negotiating don't always necessarily agree with each other or maybe like each other. But we've got a job to do, which is to make sure the voice of the fans is held at the board level. So we could take the easy option and go, right, that's it, we're not going to talk to them. But it's not going to achieve anything, is it? No, yeah. I, I see where you come from. I, mean, I know, um, mine is a quick one. I know we've had some comments in, uh, some just feedback comments, and we're getting a little bit of um, interference from your mic. So I don't know whether you've got, if you have got a pair of headphones, that'd be great. If you haven't, not to worry. Um, um, I have, but I'm going to have to nip downstairs and get them because I've left them in the jacket pocket. So. No problem at all. We can. That's why we'll, we're going to keep catch. We're going to keep cat questioned here until uh, until Mike no, comes no. back. Cat, just like, I think one question that'd be keen to know. You explained that um, the obviously the, the relationship is based on kind of multi layers. I mean, I think fans would be interested to know kind of from the top with Daniel and, and Donna and um, where that actual relationship looks like at the moment, and then kind of down the pyramid i mean is it is it difficult to explain as to how it looks from the top down um not massively i mean pre-covid and pre-esl we'd meet with daniel and the board probably three times a year we haven't met with them in the whole of this year since the esl uh but we are in touch with donna because she is the board representative on discussions around the new governance structure at the club so that relationship is there and um, we have occasional discussions with the finance director as well. So that relationship is still there. Uh, and then the day-to-day -day relationships with the departmental heads is ongoing as ever. There's stuff that comes up every single day that we need to speak to them about and they're extremely accommodating. And I think they really do value the fact that we have a job to do, that we are can be a good conduit for them, uh, but we can also send check stuff. Uh, and if we come to them and say, look, there's an awful lot of our members are having issues with a decision that you've made or with a digital platform that you put in place or with the process that you changed. We'll let them know. And nine times out of 10, the staff there will try their hardest to resolve any glitches or make a change in the process or or actually address the issue. So I think it's a very good way of us getting the fan voice through to departmental heads. And that is as strong as ever. But we're not going to lie to you. The relationship with the board ain't great. But to be honest, I don't think the relationship with any fan group on the board would be great because I don't think they want to talk to fan groups. Can I, just one question, oh, Joe. Uh, one, oh, mine, sorry. Come in. Go for it. Please come in. I was just going to, I know we're kind of stretching this question out a bit, but I can see this question coming up a lot. So let's address it in the comments. Why don't we organise protests? Uh, this is a discussion we have all the time. Something that comes up on Twitter all the time as well. You've got to, you've got to work out what you're protesting for. Okay. We're not afraid of opposing the board. You know, we called for the executive board to resign. We're not afraid of standing up. And we have protested about stuff in the past. We've organised things. Uh, we, we've disagreed publicly with the club. We've had rows with them. People talking about protests and whatever. Why don't you get protests going to get rid of the board, to get rid of Daniel Levy, to get rid of Enix? Nobody else is making an offer, right? These are the people that are running the club at the moment. If somebody else comes up, then we would say, as is happening at another club at the moment, if people are interested in buying our club and they're serious about it, we would want to talk to them to find out, you know, what are your intentions for my daughter, young man, or whatever. But you know what I mean? It, 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 we, we, would, we would want to do that. And it's right that supporters would want to do that as well. But there's nobody else out there. 
So it's a pointless conversation. Calling for the owners to go, what do people want? We've got no owners. So that's it. That's the end of the club, isn't it? So it's not because we're afraid. It's not because we're getting paid by the board. It's not because of anything else at all, right? It's a pointless call to say, get rid of the people that are in charge if there is nobody else willing to take over. So the harder job is then to say, right, we don't think that they're doing as good a job as they can do. And they won't like me for saying that either, but they don't like me anyway. Right? We've got to keep pushing for them to do a better job or what we think is a better job. So I hope that answers the question. I think it's a good point. I mean, Jace, how many times, you know, we've been doing this show for what, four, five, six years. Uh, how many times has this conversation come up with the board? And how many times have I heard you say live on air, we've been on the radio or even when we've been in pubs and you've said, you know, what do we do? And it's, you know, we haven't got a buyer at the moment. I mean, how many times does that, does that come up, Jason? How many times do you answer that? That's what I've always said. And this this notion that, that well, the, the, they don't put it up for sale. I mean, you know, you don't have to go to Exchange and Mark to buy Tottenham Hotspur. If you want to buy Tottenham Hotspur, it doesn't have to have a for sale sign up. You go to the owners with a big enough check and discuss it. It's as simple as that. You know, this, you don't need the for sale notice up. So uh, when there's a big enough interest and when somebody comes up with the money, and, and, you know, just to, I've always said it, just to say Enoch out, none of us are happy with the way the club is being, or very few of us are happy with the way the club's being run. But when you just say Enoch out or Levy out, so do we get Mike Ashley in? Do we now get a, a Russian owner in? You know, there are, it's not just as simple as Enoch out, because you can have, you can have an incredibly, diff, you can have a, an incredibly, a buyer that would be even worse than them in the long run. So, you know, I understand, always understand the frustrations but it's, it's not a simple case of Enoch out. And um, like I say, none of us are too happy with the way they're running it. But you've got to use some little bit of common sense in it. You know, they'll sell the club when they get an offer that, that matches their valuation. And, and, and until that time, we have to put up with it. There's a bit of rewriting of history going on as well. So I've seen people saying, well, you know, we got rid of Sugar by shouting at him. OK, Sugar went because Enoch bought the club off him. They made him an exactly. offer. Right? And, he, and he made a lot of money. When he moans about how it's the worst decision he ever made, he doesn't ever mention how much money he made out of, out of Spurs uh, and out of being, you know, on the on the board of the, what was then the the, the first division uh, club reps when they were negotiating the Premier League and getting Sky involved as well. So Alan Sugar didn't do too badly out of it. I don't think Alan Sugar particularly cares if people shout at him and don't like him any more than I think that this board particularly cares either. But also, you know, people... We're football supporters and we, we want to be behind our club. We want to back our club. I don't believe that the majority of our fans, and certainly not the majority of our members from what we've been told, want to be in a state of constant war where they're having a go at their club all the time. And it doesn't mean that they're going to agree no. with everything that they do. But, you know, mm -hmm. we've got to take that side of it on board as well. And that's just being honest about what the feeling is out there. You know, it's easy to talk on social media and say everyone's ready to do a protest on this, that and the other. And if people want to do that, then fine, go out. And, you know, and, and organise and do that. But it's got to be something that has got a purpose and it's got to be something that's got the backing of a lot of people. You know, th these things aren't not happening because we're not saying it. And I know you've been accused as a show. You should be backing protests or whatever. Absolutely, well. yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's funny, isn't it, that everybody's to blame. Maybe it's because there aren't enough people that want to do that. And again, people out there, I'm sure there's some people out there who are going to be shouting at the screens and going, you know, we, we want to go out there. If you want to go out there and protest and do it peacefully and make a point, nobody is stopping you from doing that. Nobody mm. at all. OK, but let, let's not rewrite history as well, though, you know, because I was involved with the Independent Supporters Association, which is one of the forerunners of, of the trust. A number of fan groups got together uh, to form the trust in 2001. 
And I was involved. I was outside the High Court when Alan Sugar took Terry Venables to court. Right? And we were protesting. I was one of the people holding up the, the letters in, in the Paxton Road stand, the, the, the Venables in Sugar Out protest that people can remember as well. So I remember what happened and I remember why Sugar went. And it, it's, not, it's not the way a lot of people are saying it at the moment. So, you know, let's, let's not rewrite history. It's interesting, Martin, you bring that up in terms of the protests again. I mean, and again, Jace, we've had this conversation before. Last one on Spurs compromises of what, eight to nine to ten, obviously different members now, different voices. So when you're asking, you know, us as a channel to protest, you know, not everybody within that group want, agrees with that protest. And again, the reason why last one on Spurs can't just be an independent voice is because we then represent eight or nine different people the same way the trust represent a number of different people. So it, it's a very difficult conversation to have to be able to give a concise answer to, Jace, isn't it? It's, a, it's, a, Cause it's very it's hard. Up to, it's up to the individual's concern. And, and like Martin says, I'm not against those people that protest, but there has to be uh, a real aim of the protest and, and an aim of the protest just to say Enoch out for the sake, for, for, as Martin says, for nothing. So they walk away and nobody's in charge of the club. I mean, does, does whoever takes over suddenly go and spend... 850 million on transfers and half the season tickets. In fact, actually, let everyone in for free and we'll forget all the Anthony Joshua boxing matches and we'll put statues up with a double side. I mean, you know, it just doesn't work that way, does it? So um, we just have to have a little bit of, of a real target of what you're trying to protest for. And I've always said it myself, when there's an offer on the table, that's when I will come out and make a judgment whether I want Enoch to go then or whether I would sooner... You know, if it was an offer from Mike Ashley, I'd probably say, well, actually, I'd sooner have Enoch in charge than Mike Ashley. So we'll have to judge that at the time an offer's made. But until then, it's it's just a pointless hashtag for me. Yeah, I know Kat's keen to come in. We get, you know, I think all of us, we're getting a bit of... Oh, no, no OK, fine. We are getting some interference on Mike, so we're just going to unmute and mute um, when we do come in. Um, what I'm going to do, Jason, I'm just going to roll... Uh, I'll pass the show over to you uh, just to ask uh, Martin the next question. Uh, before I was going to say, we're still only on question one. <laughs> Well, you know, the, you did say these shows are getting well, too long. I've got to renew the season ticket in a minute. <laughs> the answers to the rest of the questions is sorry, yes, no, maybe in half past six, okay? That's fine. <laughs> One word <laughs> answers. <laughs> Go on, Jace, over to you. We're gonna, we are going to speed through, I assure, guys. Don't worry, we'll grab it all in somehow. Over to you, Jace. Now, the, the Trust published its, its conversation with the club and Tottenham have, have since responded on the club's website. And they've put on there a statement we shall always be ambitious for this club and shall continue to rebuild during the summer. Do you feel this summer more than ever, they really need to stick to that line and try and win back some supporter trust? Yeah, I think they are. Look, I think everyone's pretty aware of what the conversation is amongst amongst the vast majority of Spurs fans at the moment. Uh, and Antonio Conte seems to have made his view pretty clear. He's, he's not a man who holds back in a press conference, is he? So he, he, he makes his feelings very clear. Um, and People are saying this time they've got to back the manager. Unequivocally, they've got to back the manager. And I think backing the manager, what does that mean? It means uh, a bit of a change to what Spurs' MO has been maybe in previous years, that rather than buying players for the future who are promising or whatever, um, it's uh, we actually need the finished article. And that's what Conte seems to be saying. We need players who can go straight into the first team and make the difference as well. And we'll, we'll come on to this a little bit later, but, you know, we the club uses a lot of kind of vague terminology like being ambitious for the club. I'd like to hear the word win a bit more. The club wants to win. Th- I know you can't Absolutely. guarantee Absolutely. Win, right? but the, the name of the game right, is winning. Right? I want winners in there from the top to the bottom. That should be the culture of the club. And that was the culture of the club when I started supporting it regularly in the, in the early 1980s. Uh, you know, that, that was important as well. 
I, so I think I think it is a bit of a make or break summer, but I'd also contextualise that a little bit because I can remember after they didn't really back Pochettino and then they ruined him and they sacked him, uh, people said they've got to get the next appointment right, otherwise it's curtains. And so they appointed Jose Mourinho, which, which to me was, was mystifying because it seemed to reverse everything that had been done for the previous five years. And I think it was a box office move, to be honest. That, that's my personal opinion. And people said, right, well, that's it. They've now appointed Jose Mourinho. So, you know, if they don't get this right, they're finished. Well, they didn't get that right, but they weren't finished. Uh, and they said, well, we've definitely got to get the next appointment right. So they appointed Nuno and they didn't get that right, but they weren't finished because they appointed Conte. So, you know, there may be a bit of a theme developing here as well. I don't know. Um, let's hope that we don't have to have the conversation about, well, what happened when they didn't get that right. Let's hope they get it right. But, yeah, look, absolutely, people are really expecting them to step up and they're expecting a, a change this summer. And I think that there is, a, there is a real undercurrent of dissatisfaction that's bubbling up. And I think some of that is to do with the price of the season tickets. And we said to them at the time, you are making a rod for your own back. Because with those prices, and especially with, you know, we more than doubled the number of season ticket holders we got. And this isn't a criticism of the newer season ticket holders, but the newer season ticket holders uh, came in at a time when we've been having quite a lot of success relatively to what we had before and weren't yet in that habit. I think, you know, those of us that have sort of been season ticket holders for 20 years, you know, the, the 18 and a half thousand from White Hart Lane, they kind of got into the habit and it was just what we did. You know, we had a season ticket as well. So I think you've got that combination of people that haven't quite embedded the habit. You've got the high prices. That's caused real expectation for what's going on. And I think that's why there's, there's, a, there's a tougher conversation, you know, that's going on around, around what the club does. But, you know, everybody, you know, the media are saying it, the fans are saying it, and even in the boardroom, they must be hearing it, but they, they, they don't give much away. People are really expecting a change this summer. It's interesting. Uh, go on, Jason. Come over to you. Go for it, Jason. Oh. I was going to say as well, the other part, you're right, the prices and the new stadium and things, but we've had a taste of what we could be. You know, we've had that, that little, little fingers into the, into the, the elite clubs, if you like. We've, we've finished above Liverpool and we've finished above Chelsea and we've not won a title, but we've, we've competed for it. We've beat Real Madrid at Wembley. So, you know, we start to think, right, we can see what the club can be. And here we are being knocked out the checker trade, losing to Mura and, and teams like that. And it's just, you know, it's just a complete fall off the cliff, isn't it, to where we were a couple of years ago. And it's not it's not as easy to say it's just Pochettino or Mourinho and things. As a club, the, the fall off has been huge. Yeah, and just how quick, like you say, that that's happened over, uh, you know, two to three years. And lots of questions coming about Fabio Paratigi, because interesting, we are going uh, to that topic next. Danny says, would the trust know if Fabio is actually changing things within the footballing side of the club? We're going to come on and ask Cat and Martin that in a second. Uh, Faz on the screen says, I like the way Paratigi structures deals. I mean, uh, Faz, I would agree with you on that. I mean, so far, you've got to say uh, Benson Core. Decky coming in, they've really hit the ground running. When you add to that as well, Christian Romero, I think it's safe to say that, uh, I mean, bar... Nuno's appointment, on the whole, you've got to say Paratigi is working his magic. And uh, to use the uh, the trending term, he is cooking to some degree. Let's hope he cooks some more over the summer. So we are going to go for that first break of the show for our listeners that are on audio and take you into that break. You are going to hear that update from Fabio Paratigi that he gave Spurs TV, where he just updates the club on yeah where the club are at the moment and what the plans are for the future for Spurs. Fabio, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. We've just beaten West Ham 
very good performance. We've won five out of our last seven in the Premier League. Where do you see us at the moment, Fabio? And we are in very good moment. Not about just the win games, but about uh, the performance of the team. In the team improve a lot. You enjoy when you watch the game. Antonio make a fantastic job and the players too. They are working hard every day. They are so focused, so committed. So we are much better than four or five months before. So this is the most important thing for us. And when we start this project in the beginning of the season, we say this, we say we want to rebuild. We want to achieve our target. It's not just about short term, but long term project. So that we are in the in the in the right in the right direction. If we speak about target, we have to speak about target, not about I repeat, short term target, but long term target. So if we think about two months ago, every one of us and maybe fans, uh, people around was pessimistic, so pessimistic. At the moment is the opposite, is everyone is so optimistic. So I think we have to find the right balance. It's not easy in football because it's so emotional, but our job is sure to control this kind of, and to find this kind of balance. So I don't want to say that it doesn't matter if we arrive four or five or fifth, because change a lot in, in one season, change a lot for the club, for the fans, for the player, for everybody of us. And so we fight for to, to, for to have the best position that we can, but also we have to follow our project. Our project is to, be, to rebuild the club, to, re, to rebuild the team, to, have, to, to be competitive in the long term, to be competitive every season and uh, to do the best for, uh, for, this, to, for this club, for now and for the future. So balance is the right, right word. Tell us about the competitive nature of the Premier League, Fabio. So, Premier League, I think, you know, is uh, the most important league in, in, uh, in the world. The competition is so high uh, for coaches, players, clubs, uh, managers, directors. So, it's, it's really competitive, but also it's, uh, it's a big challenge and it's a nice challenge for everybody that for every one of us that has the opportunity, the, the chance to, 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 to be here and uh, to fight for, for to be better, like, like professional, like person, because the competition is important for every one of us. What are your thoughts on how Rodrigo Bentancourt and Dejan Kulazeski have settled in? They've been brilliant, haven't they? We know, me and Tony, we know these players very well because me because I was in Juve before and, uh, and Antonio because I was in Italy, so he knows very well, he knows very well the, the, the player. We know that uh, the, the character and the mentality and the style of this kind of uh, players would be, would be right for us. So the adaptation was really, really, really quick. So this is the really the, the news because normally some players need some time for uh, adapt to be uh, to adapt to Premier League to England and whatever and uh, for Rodrigo and and, uh, and Deki was really really quick.
Cuti Romero, what have you made of his impact? He's an important player for us, but I think uh, not just him. He has a, a big impact, but even the others defenders, they, they work very well at the moment. So Eric Dyer is amazing, uh, Ben Davis the same. Sanchez and Tangang and Rodon, when they, 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 they played, they, they, they did well. So we have a very good group of defenders and uh, we are happy. Fabio, how important is it to establish a winning mentality within the team and the squad here? In, in every club, it's important to have a winning mentality. And so in Premier League, more because the, the, the competition is high level and every game is tough. Every game is tough. You don't have one game that you can win easy. So there are a lot of surprises. So you have to be winning mentality. is not about just win game, but work hard, culture of work, be committed, be focused every day in your job. So start to improve uh, yourself and uh, the team every day. So this is the winning mentality is so important for every team, every club. Such an important end to the season now. We, we've, we've nine games left. But of course, beyond that, your work never stops. The most important thing is to be focused in the rest of the season. We have nine games. We work hard for to be here and to enjoy these nine games. So what's mean enjoy, what's mean uh, is leave this kind of game like a finals. Okay, every game like a finals, every game all together. We need fans, we need people around us. We need environment, optimistic, put energy, positive energy. And I think all together we have to do and what the best that we can do and uh, enjoy every game that uh, we play. This is the first thing that we have to be focused. And uh, the second is uh, so. So my job, but it's not just my job, it's the job of my structure, so scouting department and, uh, and uh, speaking with the staff and with Antonio every day about what we can do for improve this team. It's not just about players, but about also staff maybe or uh, best pitches, best uh, infrastructure, best... So it's normal that when we speak about summer, we speak about recruitment, but we work every day and we speak all the time about uh, what we can do for to be better. That's it. So, and we follow like this, we continue to, to work in this, in this way, in this direction. Okay, Fabio, that's about it. I'm sure you've got a message for the fans to finish with. First of all, we have to grateful to the fans to follow us and uh, to give us this kind of uh, support every game, home and away. And uh, the atmosphere with West Ham was amazing. But every game, I, can, I, I can't say that other games are different. So it's always amazing to play in, in this stadium with these amazing fans. So nothing. All together for to arrive to our target and uh, for to build something really good for now and for the future. Right. Okay. Thank you so much also to our watching audience. There's uh, nearly 300 plus of you watching us live on a Sunday evening where there is no Spurs game to review to the delight of Jason McGovern. And uh, to Kat and Martin, it's just another one of those shows. They come on here and give us some wonderful insights. So thank you so much as always, guys. Kat, let's come over to you next because um, 
interestingly, the timing of the Cubs' response to you comes just a day before an interview is released from uh, Tottenham Hotspur's managing director, Fabio Paracci, where he discussed the present and the future for the football club. Um, there was a feeling with the appointment of Paratigi that you know there would be a bit more transparency around what is happening at the club. Uh, do you feel, since his appointment, that we are closely connected more, bearing in mind what his role is and what we were told hopefully would be the case? I mean, first off, the timing, nothing to do with the publication of our season ticket statement. We'd actually been involved in a back and forth for several days with the club, uh, trying to get approval to publish their responses. So that's purely coincidental. I'd love to say that we had that massive influence, but probably not. Uh, let's remember, if we can, uh, that the number one complaint about Daniel previous to all this had been that he involved himself too much in the playing side. Uh, so the whole master negotiator tag uh, often did more harm than good for the club. He could be too clever by half and insert himself in too many transfer negotiations and they'd fall apart, etc. So I think fans were calling definitely for a, di a clear division between the footballing side of Tottenham and the business side of Tottenham. So Fabio's appointment had appeased quite a vocal section of the fan base at the time. So let's remember that, that his appointment was a popular move. People didn't want Daniel involved in those discussions and in that side of the business anymore. So, you know, he was definitely welcomed. I think we had a series of videos at the start of Fabio's tenure uh, that indicated that the club definitely was trying to be more transparent, but those kind of died up when Conte arrived and they've certainly not been as frequent as they once were. Have, haven't really seen anything until the very recent one. And I think the jury was out on him for bringing players in. Well, for bringing players like Roy Allen, I mean, <clears throat> not being great. And then only able to raid his ex-club, Juve, in the January window. But I think we can now all agree that the two players that came in have added definite quality to the squad. So to answer your actual question, I personally don't feel that he's been a great connector between the fan base and the club. But I wouldn't expect him in his position to be that connector. I would expect that to be the manager and to be the team to a certain extent. Because if you look at the time that we had, certainly in recent memory, the closest connection with the club, it came from Pochettino and yep. from his players. Yep. So I, I'm not, I think we're probably setting him up for a role that he shouldn't really be responsible for, to be honest. Uh, okay. it's all, we will always encourage the club to be as transparent about everything as they possibly can, to give maximum information. You can never give too much information. That's always our advice to them, whether it's on a ticketing platform issue, whether it's on, I don't know, when we had to provide COVID certification to get into the stadium, or whether it's on your transfer policy, or whether it's on anything to do with the academy. Give as much information as possible, because fans are like sponges, and they, they want to take it all in, and they want to hear from you. You can never give too much info. So I don't I don't think that he's and it, it aided the connection between the fan base and the club as such, but I don't think that's necessarily his, his responsibility. I think there are other people who should be doing that. Interesting. Uh, Jace, coming over to you, just want to get your views on uh, Paratigy so far. I mean, I think it's been fair to say in the transfer market, it's been a bit hit and miss. Um, obviously, two managers hired so far. One, I think, uh, yeah, just we're being really honest about it, completely out of his depth. The other one, uh, listen, Conte, I think we can all agree the man is class and I think we'd all like to see him stay and hopefully, you know, commit to the club, which we're going to come on to shortly. Uh, what Do you have a view on Paratigy so far? What are we... Uh, Six months down the line? Seven months some, down the line now? Some good, some bad, Rick. Um, you know, there seemed to be a, a reliance early doors on, on going to Serie A, but of course that's the league he knows. Uh, and our feeling was we wanted 
Premier League, Premier League tried and tested. And yet the two new boys that came in in January obviously weren't Premier League tried and tested and they've slotted in straight away. So, you know, he's, he's partly recovered, recovered there. I think, you know, to, to, to go back to your original question on that, I think the director of football can can have a link to supporters if they understand the, the culture of the club as such. So where you see somebody like Ajax is a prime example, isn't it? Where the, the people in charge are people that have played there and yes, come through yes. there. You yes. see that at Bayern Munich where, mm. where Rummenigge, I think now, is the big decision maker. But somebody that understands the demands of the club, understands how the supporters relate. So, you know, if you put Ledley in a position, I'm sure Ledley would, and I'm not saying Ledley would be the right person for it, but a Ledley-type figure, a Glenn Hoddle-type figure that really understands the club, be it Michael Dawson or someone, that understands how the supporters feel, understands how the supporters react to certain situations, then you can you can get that. But I don't think Paratici was ever going to be there. And I think, you know, he's come in, we, we, we talk about we want, a winning mentality and things like that in the club and you know he's come from a club with a winning mentality Juventus don't start the season looking to finish in the top four they want to win and that's what Martin's getting at you know it shouldn't be ambitions to be this it should be ambition to win and uh, maybe Paratici in time will do that but we're, we're not the most patient crowd because we've been waiting was it nearly 60 years for a league title and 30 years for an FA Cup? And we're thinking, do you know what? How much patience do you want people to have? Jason, stick with you because I've got, uh, I know you are next on the list to give Martin a question. So uh, we'll just part that over to you. Feel free just to go to the structure of the question rather than the comments because uh, of time. So yeah, feel free if you just want to read out to Martin. Yeah, I mean, you know, Martin, we're talking about we want to win. And we're having that thing you've just said yourself, you know, the, the transfer market back in Conti is win now. But you hear Paratici talking about the long-term future, rebuild the team, competitive in the long-term. We don't talk about short-term targets, but long-term targets. So is he really telling us what the club's direction is right now and what their true ambitions are? And therefore, how does that align with, with supporters' demands? Um. I think it's one of those kind of read into it what you want to read into it statements, isn't it? Uh, uh, and may, maybe deliberately designed like that. I mean, I didn't particularly take out of it that I, after sort of listening to that and reading that, that I knew what the club's direction was right now. And I think I mentioned this earlier, there's a lot of talk in there about being competitive in the long term. Well, we need to talk about winning uh, in the short term, I'm afraid. You know, that that is the, the big push that, that's got on now. And I said, you know, nothing is guaranteed, even though, a lot of clubs, including ours, keep trying to come up with competitions where winning is guaranteed. But we'll come on to that later as well. Um, but so uh, it, it just kind of seems a bit vague. And there's also that problem in there, you know, the long-term future. So are we buying players for the future again? Or, or, or are we going to back the manager who appears to be saying we need some finished articles to come in and actually do something now? Because, you know, you know winning a trophy would really change things for Spurs. Uh, there, there's no question about that. And, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, one of the big two trophies, really. But the FA Cup would also be nice. I don't think the League Cup cuts it anymore, but I'm not going to turn down a pot uh, uh, on, on any front. So it, it just kind of seems to, to be a bit of a kind of a, a vague statement for me. I mean, I agree with him that, that, you know, Conte's team, when it works, when it clicks, it is really good to watch. We've seen some really good football. And over the last couple of years, you know, the football, the standard of football has been pretty dire as well. But I think the thing that we're a bit worried about, I think the thing that a lot of us are a bit sick of is that just getting out of this cycle of like, we think we're getting it right. And then there's some kind of 
the team don't turn up for an important game, and then we get three or four days of interviews on the official Spurs website where they were talking about needing to learn the lessons. And it's like, well, you never seem to learn the bloody lessons, do you? Because in a couple of months' time, we're back and doing it again. And it's kind of changing that sort of thing. So, again, you know, I think it's difficult because the club, you know, as, as all clubs and all organisations of that profile need to be to a certain extent, it's very controlling over what it puts out. But And I think Paratici is probably doing his best in trying to put a good message out. But it's kind of got to be not really made over committing, you know, a little bit of being all things to all people in there. So, and, you know, we've been pushing for ages. We've been saying the club, and it doesn't have to give away its secrets. We all know that there are things that have got to be confidential that you don't want to give away to, to the opposition as well. But just a bit more clarity about strategy, about what we're doing. You know, you can look around at other clubs and get a good idea of what they're about. Uh, and I think you look at, you know, there is that question, what, what exactly are Spurs about? Are we there to just kind of be there or thereabouts? Are we there to win? How are we going to do that? Um, you know, there's the, the famous kind of we need to rediscover our DNA interview, wasn't there? Which a lot of us thought that's a really good thing. Really pleased to hear that, but not not sure that we're doing that. And then again, the, some of the decisions taken after that seem to be, well, that's not kind of Tottenham DNA. And there's an argument that says, look, actually, we've got to stop living in the past and we've got to change the way we do things. Well, OK, fine. But that's a clear strategy as well. Let's hear a little bit more about it. So I, I wasn't overly convinced, which is not me having a pop Paratici, um, because I'm sure he's far better at his job than I would be at his job. Um, but, you know, if you're looking for that, does that kind of convince a fan that we've got a real clear direction now? Not, not entirely, I'm afraid. But that, that's just me. No, I mean, that's fair. I mean, again, I think what, what I think would be nice to have a bit more frequency in terms of the interviews. I think we mentioned, I think Kat mentioned it earlier, that um, we had quite a number, obviously, when he first came, and they seem to drop off since Conte's appointment. I think at the moment, you know, when you base the fact that, um, yeah, the uncertainty in terms of Spurs, not sure if we'll be informing any European competition next year, uh, next season, should I add, and obviously the manager's future, which still, although we understand, again, we're going to come on to that question right now, actually, because it kind of ties in, so a nice segue of what we're saying here. Um, Martin, I think I'll stick with you for this one. Um, Fabio was asked about his role and his, and his work technically not being on pause for the summer, in which he replied, uh, the first thing that he has to do is be focused on and really, you know, the structure of his job, the scouting, speaking with the staff and Antonio every day about what we can do to improve the team. He says it's just not just about the players, but also staff maybe, uh, the best pitches, the best infrastructure, all we want to hear about winning, of course. <laughs> but um, we continue to work in this way in the direction of the club. Um, I just wondered, do you feel, mine, given the nature that when we reach the summer, Conte will just have under 12 months left on his contract? And granted, from what we understand, there is that option to extend it by a further year. Do you feel as a fan that there will be a f- need for a further commitment for both parties to feel more of a certainty of a long-term future of the manager going into next season? It's tricky. I mean, I've got to give an answer as, as a fan because it, it isn't really one for the trust. It isn't anything that we, we can really get involved in, you know, in terms of identifying transfer targets and, you know, negotiating contracts for kind of key members of staff or whatever. So I've just got to answer as, as a fan and hope it's kind of reasonably representative of an opinion out there as well. And, and, and again, I'd sort of go back to a couple of previous answers that, you know, there's a lot of talk about commitment or whatever, but, you know, it's got to go on both sides. I think if we're honest... We know that, that Conte isn't there for the long run. I think that, that, you know, what most people who have been fairly realistic about it say that, you know, if he's here long enough to get us up to the next level, win us a few trophies, um, the, the kind of nature of, of football at this level now is that you've got this kind of 
these kind of elite managers kind of circulating around a number of clubs who are managing a group of players uh, and they're managing them in a different way. You know, that I'm old enough to... Managers used to be people who coached and they got more out of a group of players than maybe they were there. So there's people like, you know, Brian Clough or, you know, our own great Keith Birkinshaw who had some very, very good players but blended a, a combination of players together and, and, and made the, you know, the sum greater than the, 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 uh, the parts, if you like. So... Um, there is that nervousness, and I think there's a nervousness because Conte is very kind of emotional in, in, in his interviews as well. And I don't think people would be surprised if there was some kind of blow-up as well, knowing what we know about the club. But, you know, we hope that he can, he can move us on to the next level. You know, they could say, we could have an announcement, you know, in the middle of summer or at the start of next season, you know, that he's signed an extension to his contract. But then, you know, if something goes wrong on one side or the other, he could either walk or a ball could suck him. So, you know, all that really makes a difference on is how much compensation you get paid, really. It's not necessarily a sign that, you know, the commitment's there or things are going to work. But you know, it, it's it's a tricky one because, I said, you know, we can only pass opinions as, as fans on that. And we, we'd never seek to get involved in, you know, let's sit down, involve a supporter rep in writing a contract for a manager or is signing a player. You know, that, that would be nonsense as well. And that's not, not something we'd ever push for. Although we're often accused of pushing for that. Okay, fair. I mean, Jace, just to get your views on that. I mean, Kat, obviously, you're more than to jump in if you if you want. But Jace, um, do you have a view on content that contract? I know it comes up far too often on last one on Spurs, probably for your liking. But I only asked the question because we've got the guys on here from the trust, and um, come the summer, it will be under twelve months. You know, does that suit anybody, any party, really? When you're buying players for a manager, you're not sure it's going to be here long term, or what is long term these days? But that's that's the thing. What is long term? I mean, you know. Nuno was there for, what was it, two years and was gone 12 weeks later. So, you know, the fact that Conte would have a big contract, I don't think it, it makes a difference to whether Tottenham would sack him and I don't think it makes a difference to how quickly he'd walk away if he doesn't get what he wants. So, yes, uh, a longer-term contract would be nice and you can tell a player, well, you'll be here for, for three years because, you know, I want to go and play for Antonio Conte for three or four years. But, you know, let's be honest, it, it doesn't work that way, does it? Football... And, um, you know, it, it, success on the pitch will determine how long Conte's there. And if we if we fall off and continue the fall off, he won't tolerate it. And if we do well, then the club will stick with him and he'd be happy to sign a contract. So I try not to get, like, like I said, I've almost stopped listening to, to Conte in that respect because he talks about the club being up and down on the pitch, but he's up and down himself all over the place. So let's, let's just, you know, hopefully he's there next year, but... Um, it's up to the ball to, to really show him that they want him to be there. I think that's the key. Yeah, Chris, obviously, Chris Cannon, one of our own, back on the show next week. I'd like to have Chris back with us next week. Uh, Chris says, 14 <laughs> years without a domestic trophy. Bless Chris, trophies. If if Conte doesn't work out, where do we go next? Potts, Jose, Conte, then what? I don't want to think about that. I don't. Does anyone want to think about that? It just... <laughs> That might be vodka in there by the time uh, Cat's read and listened to that question. Because I'm not sure uh, we even want to think about where we go after Conte, really. When you look at the club in terms of who they've hired, it is, it is flabbergasting, I think, when you look at who the club have had over the last four to five years in there. You know, Poch, Jose, Conte. You know, if these guys can't win a trophy, <laughs> where do we go from here? Does anybody have a view on where we go from here? Or should we not even be thinking about that? Is it, is it, is it, should we not be doing it to well, ourselves, Martin? Well, well, the only thing I've, all, I've always said, Rick, isn't it? And, and I, I, we used to laugh at the phrase serial winner mm. when it was described of Mourinho and it's been described of Conte as well. And I always said they're serial winning managers, but at serial winning clubs. 
So Porto were used to winning trophies and Chelsea are used to winning trophies. The culture of Juventus is to win trophies. The culture at Man United is to win trophies. The culture at Tottenham is not to win trophies. And so, you know, that, that mentality switch that they have to do where a Tottenham group can go to, I don't know, we can, we can go to Newcastle, for instance. I'm, I'm just plucking a team and say, that's not a bad point today because they're, they're going well, Newcastle. Whereas the, the, a Manchester City or a Liverpool's mentality now is, that's a two points dropped. A point is not good enough in this. And that's the mentality switch that we have to get. And Tottenham are just trying to think if we can get in the top four. But all those clubs that those managers have managed aren't trying to get in the top four. They're going for position one. Yeah. And so that's, that's the big difference. Why a serial winner can't just come into Tottenham and suddenly win trophies. It's not that simple. This is the problem, isn't it? We've said this before, Conte, and how many times have we said this in the last one of Spurs group we have, Conte is a win-now manager, whereas yeah. you feel Tottenham are set up to win, uh, and I hate to say this, I know supporters you know, won't like this, they're, they're set up to win in five years' time. Does that Conte, make sense? That's how I feel with Tottenham. The truest thing Conte's ever said that I've, that I've heard him say was when he was Chelsea manager, and he said the difference is Chelsea aim to win trophies and Tottenham hope to win trophies. That's the truest thing mm. Conte has ever said. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that I think basically I think we're all wasting our time here because looking at the comments, Nicholas Collison seems to have got all the answers. So why don't you get him on the show next week and then he can talk about how he's going to step up, be accountable, put some work in, and stop slagging people off on the comment section of a live podcast. Yeah, I mean, again, listen, uh, it's impossible to please everybody, as, as we can see here. Um, what I am keen to do uh, is to come around to you, Kat. Uh, before we touch up in greater detail that fan-led review, or as Martin says there, you know. Let's see. Uh, having a fan on the ball, will that, will that change anything massively? Um, you know, it's worth mentioning that, um, you know, you held your own annual general meeting virtually by Zoom on the evening of Wednesday, the 16th of February. Uh, that AGM is a massively important meeting for the trust, which I know you're probably going into a bit more detail, Kat. Um, there was obviously outgoing board members. Obviously, Pete Hayne had him on the show before. Love Pete. Kevin Fitzgerald were thanked for their contribution and dedication over many years of service. And then after the AGM, uh, the THSD ball compromised of Anthilla, who we've done it before. Um, we've got Adam Bailey, uh, Martin Behager. I hope I pronounced that right, mine. If I haven't done, I'm really sorry. Uh, Stephen Cavalier, Martin Cloak, of course, here. Henry Ellis, uh, Michael Green, uh, Kat, uh, Rachel Martin, Kunal Shah, Simon Sullivan, Rob White. I mean, is there anything you want to add or comment in terms of that AGM, Kat? Uh, sure. So um, the AGM isn't just an important meeting for us. It's a constitutional necessity. As I explained at the top of the show, um, we're a formally constituted community benefit society that's fully regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. So the AGM is a formal meeting where the chairs, so myself and Martin, will present a report of the year. Our treasurer, so Adam Bailey, will present the annual accounts. A third of our board either step down or stand for re-election and where members can stand for election to the board. So you're right, we had two outgoing board members, uh, Pete Hayne and Kev Fitzgerald, who'd been on the board for five and seven years respectively. They'd contributed an awful lot to the fan movement and to the trust at Tottenham. Uh, everything that we do is voluntary. Uh, we're not remunerated in any way, and we do this alongside, most of us alongside full-time jobs. So we're delighted that we have three new board directors who joined us at the AGM. So you correctly mentioned we have Henry Ellis, He's a qualified accountant. He's going to be working more on the financial and property side of the club's dealings. So he'll be interrogating that side of it for us in detail with Michael Green. 
Um, he's joining our ticketing working group. Ticketing is probably our biggest area of work, so we need some more hands on that. So that's great that Henry's coming on board to get involved more with ticketing. Um, and he's also in his 20s, so he re represents a younger demographic for us as well, which is extremely welcome. Uh, Simon Sullivan is our second newbie joining the board. Uh, his day job is in insurance, in risks and, and claims management. So he's going to be working with the lovely Rachel on the catering front, contributing to the Trust's own monthly podcast. And he's also joined the Ticketing Working Group. And then we also welcome Kunal Shah, who is a healthcare policy advisor. And Kunal's joined to help our work on anti-discrimination, on governance, on policy and on strategy. So all three have already made substantial contributions to the board and they bring a fresh perspective. And it's really great, it's very welcome to have an injection of energy. And I think both myself and Martin feel that as an organization, we're in a really strong place now with those 12 board members, those 12 board directors. So um, just also for the benefit of people in the comments, I would like to stress that anyone can stand for election each February, providing they're in full or life membership of the trust, which have already established is a tenner a year. So it's not a vast amount of money and that's to help us uh, function as a voluntary organization, a not-for-profit organization. It's totally democratic. So rather than shouting in comments or shouting into the abyss on social media, maybe consider putting some of your time into constructively working with us for a better deal for fans. So if anybody who's watching tonight, well, well done, Jason, for getting your old style membership card out. If anybody <laughs> watching tonight thinks, you know, um, I, I think I could do a better job, you might be able to, by, yes, all means, yes. by all means, step up. But you're going to need to do it through the proper channels because we are formally constituted. So that's not us blocking people off. That's what a community benefit society does. So you have a chance to stand for election every February. And we would be very, very um, pleased to have contested elections and to have more people wanting to step up and devote probably, I don't know, uh, 20 hours a week to, to the trust unpaid. That would be marvellous. Thank you. I just want to highlight, you know, say that Kat said there, I mean, just, just for the benefit of the comments, and I know, listen, on the whole, 99.9% .9 of people listening, I really, really appreciate having, you know, Kat and Martin on. And I think for us as a as a channel, uh, a podcast that, you know, we do two shows a week, I must say, you know, Kat and Martin have given up hours upon hours upon hours of their time to us. And I know this relationship now, probably four or five years, guys, we've had you on our show. Um, you know, these guys have full-time jobs, you know, working all hours around the clock. I know even at stadiums, you know, they're trying to help people out when they're there. Um, you know, I've got to say, you know, again, the, the amount of work that these guys do voluntary, I must add that voluntary is just astounding. And again, you know, I'm grateful for them giving up the time they do just to come on the channel, just to give us some insight as to what's happening, you know, inside the club and around the club. I'll just jump in and, and answer the very vocal Tommy G. First of all, who am I? So I co-chair the trust at Tottenham. I have been on the board of Tottenham Hotspur Sports Club for nine years. I have sat as a fan rep on FA Council. I was the first ever female fan rep on FA Council. I sat for two years on Supporter Direct England and Wales Council. I've sat for three years on the Football Supporters Association National Council. So that's what I do in terms of, of fan representation. And what the trust is about, you just need to visit our website, which is thsdofficial.com. There's a whole about us section. Everything, our entire rules are on there. All our objectives, all our campaigning issues and all our achievements and successes are on there as well. So that's uh, that's where you can find out more about us to Tommy G. And, and, and obviously, you haven't mentioned the the casework either. And there's, uh, you can talk to quite a lot of fans in the fan base who, who Cat personally has helped out with kind of ticketing issues and various things over the years as well. 
Moving on to the, the, the fan-led review, cap, which obviously many of our listeners and viewers are, are keen to have an update on. Mm-hmm. And we're at that stage now with, with events in, in south-west London where ownership and the scrutiny of owners is, is even more under the microscope. The, the club said in February, we continue to discuss the mechanics of a reform structure for fan engagement, for input at board level. Those discussions have taken place with a representative of the club's executive board, the club's supporter liaison officer and the public and compun- the community relations manager. Are we any further step forward with developments on this? And do we actually know from the club how, how they see this fan representation working? Yeah, so uh, the, the club is keen to have a new structure in place for the start of the new season in August. And at the moment, that's taking the form of a supervisory or a shadow board or an advisory panel, as the club's currently calling it. And the composition of that panel is currently under discussion, but it would represent all major fan groups and demographics. And for the structure to be in place by August, it would mean running elections over the summer. So we're currently drafting terms of reference for the supervisory board and trying to ensure that it actually has real power. And we're also currently drafting what's called a memorandum of understanding for the trust and the club to clearly define our relationship moving forward, because there is an overlap between issues that an advisory panel or a shadow board would discuss and the issues that a trust would traditionally discuss. So some work needs to be done there to reduce duplication and for the trust to retain the right to discuss strategic and policy issues, as well as just merely operational issues. So that's all kind of going on in the background. We're also aware that the trust is the only organisation that meets the criteria to hold the right of veto on all of those golden share issues that were outlined by Tracy Crouch's review. So we need to flesh out how that would work in practice. So the golden share issues, for those who don't know, uh, all those heritage issues. So they're around the name of the club, the uh, colours that the club plays in, the location of the stadium, the competition that they play in, etc. So uh, that's the trust is a recognised vehicle under the FLR uh, recommendations to hold the, the right of veto on golden share issues. So once a framework's been drafted, we'll take that to our membership and we'll ask them to either endorse that or to reject that. So it isn't a simple answer, Jason, I'm afraid. Uh, it is detailed and it is complex. But there's, you know, a lot of effort going in both on the club side and on the trust side to try and reach something where we can take it out to the other fan organisations and to our membership and try and get that endorsed and try and get that new panel, supervisory or shadow board of fan representatives in place for the start of next season. Hopefully when Ricky was away, he didn't see the comments say where we said how we were replacing Ricky on the the last (laughs) word on Spurs board. So uh, and the, and the, the the popularity that that got. Oh, wait, that's shut up! We've just I've just noticed I've come back and we've lost five hundred listeners. Oh, what's happened here? <laughs> before before my line got hooked by Enoch, joke I must add. Uh, I was just saying this and the, the wonderful work Cat and Martin do. I just find it you know staggering uh, that you know some people just can't see that you know again. So um, listen, we love it. We love to have these guys on on the whole. I can see there's lots of love for you guys in the comments. Um, but I you think better thank me when I. You better thank me when I come and do your garden next Sunday. Mate. Yeah, I must say, yeah, you know, for anyone that wonders, you know, my lifestyle, Jason's coming over next Sunday morning to help me turf my garden. You know, 
Bless him. Uh, hopefully he's back and well soon because I do need him out there with me. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, Jay, Jay's looking forward to it. He'll also be changing nappies during the interim period whilst I'm, I'm there. doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, that won't be a live audience, that one, just to, uh, just to not worry you guys at all. Um, we'll get on. We'll get we on. We will get on. We will get on. Um, Ma- Jay, Martin, let's stick with you. Yeah, Martin, there's been murmurs this month and again over the European Super League, which we know Spurs were originally part of. In your February update, you mentioned we reminded the club that in our discussions following the collapse of the European Super League, it's been made very clear that fans were committed to the idea of qualification through sporting merit. Do you believe that the Spurs hierarchy have now read the room on how supporters feel about the ESL and the general consensus of that competition? Or are you concerned a little bit of the murmurings that are still going on? The first one is about um, the, the thing that was the, the European Super League. And there, there was a few stories a couple of weeks ago in, in, the, in the press about whether that was coming back. And I mean, talking to some of the, the media contacts that we've got, they were pretty kind of good at kind of covering this side of the game. It seems that there's a lot of bluster about the Super League from some of the people that are some of the, the originators of it, but there's not really a lot of substance. Uh, we don't think the general idea has gone away, but it, it, that the Super League as a thing doesn't particularly seem to be any closer than you know than it has been since the, if you like, the uprising against it as well. There's also a set of reforms to the Champions League that are being talked about, and people are kind of running the two things together. And unfortunately, you know, again, as we've been saying for quite a long time, and the Football Supporters Association has been saying for some time that uh, in the, the bigger clubs and some of the powers that be at UEFA are trying to push for changes there, where the so-called bigger clubs are guaranteed more games. That They've already agreed that there's going to be more games at group stage. I don't think supporters particularly want more games at group stage, especially if it means domestic games being moved off of weekends or pulling out of domestic cup competitions, which are ideas that are being talked about as well. But one of the things that's being talked about in terms of their so-called reforms to the Champions League are, are that qualification would not necessarily only be on sporting merit. It could be on historical uh, on a coefficient and some of that will be you know if your club has traditionally done well in Europe you can get in so you could have a situation where Man United are going to finish 11th doesn't really matter if they finish 11th because they're in anyway because they've got a really good record in Europe now you know one of the probably the biggest thing about the opposition to the Super League from fans of every single club was opposition to this idea that you progress otherwise than on sporting merit on current sporting merit People don't think that that's football. And they were saying, this is the end of the game that we love. This is the end of my club as well. Um, so, you know, to not take that on board indicates that you're pretty tone deaf. But, it, you know, there's a lot of tone deafness at the top level of football as well. Uh, we've been asking the club again since there were rumours about a vote on the owner's charter in the Premier League. That The rumour there was that the so-called Big Six didn't sign up to it because it was, there was a commitment in there only to enter competitions that you could qualify on current sporting merit. And we said, let's remember the argument that we had, remember the backlash and the demonstrations and all of the, the outrage about the European Super League. You know, is this back on the table? Because that would be pretty foolish. The club have been pretty evasive. haven't given us a straight answer. Story this morning comes out that the European Club Association are pushing this idea. And who's on the executive of the European Club Association? Mr. D. Levy, chairman of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. 
as well. So um, do I think they've read the room? It's not looking like it. Uh, they still think they were right about the Super League and everybody else was wrong. Everybody else is out of step apart from them because they were the last club of the six in England to apologise. Mm. And their apology was like a classic non-apology apology. You know, sorry you got upset about this. Not yeah, sorry we were yeah. wrong. Even Arsenal said, sorry, we were wrong to their fans as well. But, you know, I think Arsenal are still trying to push for this as well. So, you know, this is one of the reasons why we want the kind of reforms that Kat was talking about in place so that, you know, we, we can have an influence on these things. And importantly, one of the things that all the fan organisations have said should be a golden share issue is approval of the competitions that club plays in. So, you know, if a club wanted to go into a closed league with no promotion or relegation based on historical coefficients or whatever, we want the fans to be able to veto that. And I think that is absolutely right because fans have shown how strongly they thought about that. Now, for that to happen, you know, and again, people are going to go, this is really boring stuff because you're going to talk about writing letters again. But we have been asking people to write to their MPs and we know what people feel about politics and all the rest of it. But for this to work and for fans to get a proper voice and for these kind of shadow boards, supporter boards have some power, there needs to be legislation. It needs to be a business requirement that clubs need to do that. And there is some enthusiasm within the government for doing that. Um, there is some enthusiasm within the game for doing that because the more progressive elements who are running the game realise that you know they need something like an independent regulator. They need a framework so that fans have got a little bit more uh, embedded power. So have a look on our website in the news section. Look at what we're asking people to do and the points we're asking people to make when you write to your MPs to get the government to make sure they include a commitment to legislation to try and embed the support of voice at board level in football. It is really important. And why it's important is because of things like there are still these plots going on to close leagues and to guarantee games, various things. I've got no doubt that a lot of the bigger clubs would, would, would happily pull out of the FA Cup and the League Cup, just concentrate on the league and European competitions as well. And look, we know that there are some supporters who say, great, we want to be at the top table. But what we know... <laughs> What we really do know, because we saw it from, from the backlash against the Super League last year, was that supporters don't want this. Overwhelmingly, supporters don't want it. And, and that should count for something. Jace, do you have a view on that? I mean, uh, Drew Wilton uh, comes in the questions here. Drew, I know you sent us many questions, so thank you so much. This is uh, one we'll share with Jason. Um, he says, should we feel agreed that the club, not players, have done little in terms of apology in relation to the Super League scenario? I mean, Martin mentioned it was there. It was almost like a... I don't even want to call it an apology, an apology, backhanded apology, however you want to word it. I mean, you got a thought on that, Jace? No, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't really an apology, as as Martin said. It was was uh, you know, it was left late. Uh, the last club, and you know, the whole time of the European Super League, I I felt um, gave us that problem with, with is the week of you know people forget, and this is what annoyed me with as much as I despise absolutely despised Mourinho. The fact that we were in a cup final and the Super League story broke the weekend before that cup final and, and Tottenham almost as if once they were known to be in the Super League, it was a case of, well, well, we'll just go out and get whichever manager we want next season. We'll be in the Super League. Nothing matters this week. We sack Mourinho and what happens on the Monday and then on Tuesday, the Super League collapses and we're suddenly facing a cup final with our best chance to win a trophy without the person that was probably best place to win a trophy for us. So, you know, that, that just that whole week of the Super League was annoying. You know, the fact that there's no promotion or relegation from it. So if you're 10th at the halfway stage, you don't fear going down. You can't win it. So let's, you know, everything just becomes a meaningless friendly. Um, it, it's just, 
no, not for me. You know, I, I want to play Real Madrid every season because I want to play them in the Champions League, a competition that we've qualified for. I don't want to play them every season as a league game. And, and you know what? I do want to play Southampton. I do want to play as bad as it is. I do want to play Burnley and see the different nuances in the game. You know, that's part of football. No, absolutely. Listen, thank you so much. Uh, guys, what we will do is we will go for a final break for our listeners that are on audio. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organisations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey for our watching audience on youtube here there's listen, nearly 400 plus of you watching us live on a sunday evening where there's no spurs but plenty of talk around spurs in terms of uh, the happenings both inside and outside the football club we're being joined by the brilliant martin cloak and katrina law from the tottenham supporters trust alongside a jason mcgovern who has suddenly uh it the voice seems to be improving jason it's not as rochester as what it was when we got going. So is that, is that milk we're seeing there? It's the magic milk with the formula milk. in it. Can Don't I just worry. say, no, no, uh, no dodgy, no dodgy comments coming in. Cause uh, we've had some dodgy accounts that have come in the last half hour. So the dodgy milk, you know, what's coming. Just, uh, just a warning. We don't Ye- want any Jager Master of... mixed with a bit of Cravendale, mate. That's wonders. <laughs> there we go. You even getting the recipe from Jason. There you go. Brilliant. Right. Um, I think next we're going to turn to it is ticketing time, which means we're going to hand back towards Kat. So, uh, Kat, coming over to you, as you referenced in your January newsletter, um, the government has now removed Plan B COVID restrictions. So the club have opted to revert to the original operational parameters for both the ticket exchange and ticket share platforms. Now, we know THSD had lobbied for an enhanced service during COVID, which had included the text opening a minimum of 48 hours ahead of every game at TEX, just for reference, and uh, both exchange and share opening to one hotspur members as well as season ticket holders. Um, is there anything else you want to just want to add on that comment at all, uh, purely on the basis that, you know, we always get questions on ticketing, um, and it does seem to be a real dominative topic at the moment? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll be pretty quick. Um I think there was a lot of confusion as to what the pre-COVID parameters were on ticket exchange and ticket share. I think it felt a long time since we'd used those platforms as normal, in inverted commas. So we spent an awful lot of January and February explaining to people what that actually meant. So there's actually a breakdown in our last newsletter, which explains uh, the operational parameters now for ticket exchange, or text as it's called. Uh, and share. I think the issue with ticket exchange only opening on a sellout or at the club's discretion is that there are a lot of season ticket holders who can't make every league match owing to games being constantly moved for broadcast or or cancelled for COVID, you know, Uh, and they have other commitments. uh, So they rely on ticket exchange to try and recoup some of their outlay. Um, And ticket exchange has actually been opening recently because those games have sold out or near enough sold out. Um, but the uncertainty around whether or not it is going to open and whether or not season ticket holders will have the opportunity to move their tickets on through that platform is is not welcome, to, to be honest. And it also denies One Hotspur members a further route to getting tickets. But if you're a OHM or One Hotspur member and you've missed... We've lost Kat. It's one of those like, we will try and get Kat back, uh, so don't panic. Let's... Um... 
Right, I tell you, we have got we have got some questions on ticketing, Martin. If you don't mind, if we're going to try and we'll rattle through some of these. Like this is like, it came on on our Twitter thread. So um, this is one from Chris at Spurs CC. We're going to try and get Cat back in a second. Um, he this is uh, from Chris who says, can the THSD find out from the club how many reports of reselling are made to them? Um, how many selling? How much? Yeah, reports of reselling are made to them each year, and how many times have they taken action? And what type? This comes into terms of deducting points, removal of the season tickets, as per the club guidance. Do, do you have a view on that, or is it hard to give a particular answer to that question, Martin? Yeah, before we come back up to Cat, it's a kind of constructive discussion we've been having with them because um, they they do take action against people if they break the ticket in TNTs, and we know it's something that winds a lot of fans up, and, and, and understandably so. I think, and Kat will put me right on it now that she's back on if I get it slightly wrong, but I think the club's view is that if they kind of publicise the numbers, then it, it almost kind of potentially gives a, a false impression or it kind of inflates a problem that's there. We've said to them, people kind of need to know that you, you get done if you do something wrong and other people who aren't doing anything wrong but can see other people doing something wrong need to know that they're getting done as well. So it's something that we, we might be able to get resolved. I think we're saying to the club, you need to be a little bit more upfront about saying to people this does happen. But, you know, I can absolutely guarantee that, you know, we know that some people who have passed tickets on or broken the TNCs or done things that winds a lot of other fans up because they can't get access to tickets, they have had their tickets taken away. They have had points deducted. You know, there have been sanctions that have been put on individual fans as well. But it's a fair point that, you know, should the club be a little bit more transparent, about what that is, we, we think they should. Uh, and there's obviously a conversation about how they do that because there's a certain amount of confidentiality in terms of the yeah. individual relationship, you know, and the contract. Yeah. But right, isn't it? Kat? Just talking about the sort of sanctions, you're oh, muted. Totally got booted out the show, so obviously we lost, we lost you, Cat. We got you back. It wasn't us, I promise you, it wasn't us. <laughs> I'll pick up where I left off. So, uh, yeah, by not opening Ticket Exchange, it denies one hot members a route to purchasing tickets also. And it, it's a bit short-sighted of the club, to be honest, because if you've got season ticket holders who can't go and you're denying them the opportunity to sell on, they're just going to have empty seats. And what do empty seats not do? They don't buy neck oil and they don't buy chips with fish or burgers. So there's no extra spend in the stadium. So, you know, for everyone's interest to try and fill those seats. Um, I will just flag that if you are one Hotspur member and you can't make a game because it's been moved for TV or for whatever reason, providing you contact the ticket office within seven days of the game, so seven days out or more, you're entitled to a full refund. So you can do that and you should do that if you if you find that you can't go to a game uh, as long as it's uh, more than a week before the actual kickoff. So, um, and as I said earlier, we're in constant contact with the club um, to try and make the ticketing process as smooth as possible. And yeah. to be fair, the club do make improvements to the platforms regularly. Cameron asks, is for the default on ticket exchange when you go on there to buy, for it to show all the available tickets, not just what's known as primary inventory. So the few that are left over that the club hasn't sold, we'd like it to show the ones that the season ticket holders have actually put up there as well, without having to click an extra button to see those. And we're currently asking for concessions rates for juniors and young adults and seniors to be put back on ticket exchange as well. So they're just a couple of the ongoing ticketing battles, but I'll leave that there. And just very quickly, because I know Martin came on that point because uh, we lost you. I mean, do you have a, a view on what Martin was saying there just in terms of trying to find out, um, you know, how much action there has been taken against supporters that, you know, are selling tickets yeah, through I mean, the unusual channels. I, I thought Martin actually answered it very well. Um, yes, as I said earlier, we always push for full transparency. Yeah. So we were instrumental in helping them bring forward their sanctions and banning policy, which is a very clear tariff 
for sell-ons of tickets. Uh, and you can find that on Ask Spurs. Um, so we obviously want them to do the right thing. And if somebody has broken one of those conditions, then they should absolutely face the, you know, the, 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 t the tariff, the appropriate tariff. Um, but Martin is right. There's, there's data protection issues going on here and a lot of the cases aren't yet settled. So I'm sure they'd like to do more. I think it's more tricky than we think it is to actually manage to identify somebody who's selling on, on social media. You would think it was simple, but I think there are times that they hit a few uh, roadblocks there. But uh, we know that they had a, quite a big sweep on one of the rearranged games. Let's put it that way. One of the rearranged away games. But that's as far as we can go on that one. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Now, we're getting lots of questions coming in, actually, which is really good about stadium atmosphere. And it's one of those topics where, um, at the moment, it's uh, I think it's on trend. You know, I must say, as a um, as a channel, and we are trying to work in collaboration with a couple of different uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, we've got THFC Songs and uh, also, forgive me, I think Spurs Home Chance that are really trying to, you know, just increase the, um, well, the chanting, you know, at the stadium, different songs. Of course, we had the, the Kulisevsky song at the moment, which is very, very popular. Um, I won't give you a personal edition of that because I might just lose um, the current viewers that are listening at the moment and watching us live. Um, but just to give a flavour of some of the uh, questions that we've had in here, then we're going to go to Martin. Uh, so Lapa says, why can't fans in the South Stand bring more flags and banners to make it more of a spectacle, more like our very own version of the cop or yellow war at Dortmund? Um, we've got John Joe on the screen and asking, why can't Spurs move the away supporters to further up in the gods has given them all the way around the corner flag helps the away team what we'll do is we'll try and go through some of these uh, but just come to time we'll go to martin on the original point we are going to ask you is that um look pretty much on this subject martin there's been lots of you know talk about how and what different initiatives can be done to improve the stadium atmosphere in general uh, do you have a view on how we can try and do that and is there talks on going at the moment yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, look, the short answer to the question of why can't fans bring in flags and banners is that they can. Uh, but it isn't just a matter of, of, of making a banner and, and turning up on the day. Uh, I'll go into that a little bit more in a minute. Um, I think it's, this is one of those subjects where a lot of people talk a lot on social media, but there are a few people prepared to actually do something. Uh, what's really good at the moment is that some of the groups that you mentioned, and there are a few other kind of grassroots initiative groups as well, who are starting to talk to the club. We, we, we see our role as, as facilitating that, you know, partly because we're not the massive big heads that people think we are. We can't do everything. But also, it is fairly labour-intensive doing a lot of this stuff as well. And if people want to get involved, what we've done is said that, you know, we'll help you have the conversations with the people you need to have the conversations at the club, and let's see if we can get something going. And what's come out of that is, is an atmosphere group, which some people have scoffed at, at the very idea of, but it's being convened by the club support liaison officer, uh, we want it to meet a bit more regularly and we want to see a bit more progress. And some of that's been held up because of COVID and people not being in the stadiums and all the rest of it. But it's time to get that moving again as well now. So, um, you know, there, there, there's some potential there as well. But, you know, we, we I mean, Kat especially has been involved over, you know, the eight or nine years that she's been in, involved in the trust in, in actually organising some of these kind of flag and surfer initiatives and actually getting stuck in and doing that. And I can remember we, we ran... The game in the the, the, the season where uh, we were we it was us and Leicester for the title and we played Leicester at White Hart Lane and we ran a surfing flag across the bottom of the of the Park Lane and that took a lot of organisation uh, and again people scoff at this but it goes back to why you can't just bring a flag in all of this stuff needs to have a fire certificate there's a load of health and safety bureaucracy and red tape around it which we don't particularly like either but it's got to be done so we can sort of we could moan about it and not do anything or we could just go right. 
what forms do we need to fill in? What red tape do we need to do? Let's just get on with it and do it. And we did that. It needed about 15 of us, 15 fans, uh, and there were people who were on the trust board and there were other people who just got in contact with us through Twitter and said, yeah, we're willing to help out. They had to turn up a couple of hours before the game, do a practice run on how that surfer goes, um, then get it, put it all back again, uh, then be in position for the start of the game, run it when the game, uh, as the teams came out, then spend about the first 10 or 15 minutes of, of the match rather than watching the match, putting that away as well. Um, so it does take a lot of work. Uh, and at the clubs where it happens, and people talk about Germany, there's a different set of regulations there, but there is more work that goes into that. It isn't just a case of like everybody at Dortmund turns up with a flag and they've got this great atmosphere. They put a lot of work into it. You know, whatever people think of the Holmesdale Fanatics of Crystal Palace, they put a lot of work into those displays and those things that they, they, they do down there as well. Uh, and, and absolutely good luck to them on doing that. And we need a lot more of that. Uh, at the club, because I said it's traditionally been an area where a lot of people talk a good game, but when you say actually you can't be in the pub with your mates beforehand, then you probably have to miss the first 15 minutes, or yes, you do have to deal with all this red tape. Um, mm. They kind of don't, they don't kind of get quite as interested. But you know, we're pushing it an open door, and I think the club is keen for that to go on because if you want to put it in that language, it's great for the product, isn't it? If you've got all that going on. What you've also got to remember is that there is, and whenever this conversation comes up, there'll be a lot of people going, yeah, we need more flags or whatever. And then inevitably somebody will go, no, 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 we're British fans. We don't do what the Germans do. We stay in the pub till five minutes before kickoff. And then we go, we don't do flags. And there's a view amongst the section of Spurs supporters that we don't do flags. Liverpool do flags, so we don't do flags. What we do is sing. Now, people say we don't sing as much as we should do. I think the atmosphere can be brilliant in that stadium when we want it to be, when the team's doing well on the pitch. Um, and the atmosphere sometimes at the old White Hart Lane, contrary to the myth that's been painted now, wasn't very good. And a lot yep. of time it's great. And I love that ground as well. But, you know, these things take organisation. They take people putting some time and effort in as well. Um, I said, you know, we, we don't want to dominate that, that discussion. We're prepared to play our part as a trust and as individuals and if people want to do something. But it, it is going to take numbers. But, it, you know, it's something that is relatively straightforward. Once you negotiate all the regulations of bureaucracy for fans to get involved and do, and if people want to bring flags and banners and whatever in, and they and that's that's something that you know the fans embrace, then you know get up and do it. We will give you as much help as we can in making that happen. But so, you know, we don't have to be, we don't have to run everything. We don't have to. Everything hasn't got to be our idea, and it's a great area where people can step up, do a limited amount of work, but just have a really good effect. But yeah, you know, I said it does take some work, and I remember that Leicester game. Not just because we lost the bloody thing. So oh, yeah. Years, but, you know, it took a huge amount of work. And then yeah. actually what we at the end of that was like, that was a rubbish surfer because you should have been able to run it all the way around the stadium. Right. So how you actually got it over the 20-foot sort of gap between the edge of the stands and everything, people haven't really thought. But anyway, so, you know, even if you do something, and that might be a learning curve for a lot of the people that get involved, they'll do something and then, you know, Social media will be full of experts who didn't actually do anything, but would have done a much better job if they got off their backside. So. Well, we we are, well, I was there. I appreciate the surfer on that night. Jace, did you want to come in on that on that point? I, uh, I mean, the, the one thing we got to be a little bit careful of with with we want the the club to to take our ideas on board about atmosphere and to to create singing sections and to to do this, but we're not too keen on taking the club's idea about dropping the use of a certain word on board. So you know the club, the club will, the club will be in that position of trying to advise supporters, and it's it's not being taken up. 
So you just got to be a little bit careful with how that plays out because we want them to take all of our stuff, but we don't want to take theirs on board. So, and, and that's not me preaching whether you should or shouldn't use it. Mm, yeah. I'm just saying that's, that's you know, the club would rightly say, hold on, if, if you want this involvement and you want us to do this, can you please just ask yourself that question? Do you want to continue to use that word? Yeah. Okay. And um, we have got a number of um, questions in on this. So, guys, if you don't mind, I'm going to quickly just, we'll just quickly go through them very, very quickly. If you don't mind, just tell us who, who's comfortable to answer the questions. Uh, John Joe says on the screen here, uh, why can't Spurs move the away supporters to further up in the gods as giving them all the away around the corner flag helps the away team? Cat, you put your hand up. Let's come over to you on that one. Yeah, it's a Premier League rule, John Joe, that a proportion of all away fans need to be pitch side. So the only club that has a dispensation is Newcastle. And we fight against that dispensation every single year. But their safety officers, their safety advisory group have somehow managed to convince the Premier League that if they moved the away supporters pitch side at Newcastle, people would die. So don't even ask me, but there we are. So true story, uh, but it is a Premier League rule. So uh, if you ever go away with Spurs, you will note that we're pitch side or a proportion of our fans are, are pitch side uh, at every ground apart from Newcastle. Um, Spurs also needed to select an area because remember the allocation for visiting supporters change. So it's your normal 3,000 for a Premier League game, but it would be 10% for a League Cup game, 5% for a UEFA game, 15% for an FA Cup game. And they need to position them in a space where you're disturbing the minimum amount of home season ticket holders and where you can move those segregation lines inside the concourse and also on the bowl. So it's slightly more complicated than that, but I hope that helps. I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say there is another ground cat, West Ham, where of course you're not pitch side, you're you know 60, 70 yards away from the pitch. In fact, you're closer to the pitch at Newcastle than you are at West Ham. Trying to get rule introduced that you've got to be in the same postcode as the ground that the game's actually going on on as well, but we've not quite cracked that one yet. But. Brilliant. Um, right, next one on the screen, Richard Beer says, are the trust overall... Says, Guys, I know I appreciate this probably won't be a, a one-minute answer. We'll try and sum up in a couple of minutes. Are the trust overall happy? Let's come around. Cats put around up again. I feel like I'm on a game show here. Just go, go around it. Next, OK. Are the trust overall happy with the new statement, how it runs, Cat? That's a very long answer, possibly, but can you sum up in a nutshell? I thought I'd be quicker than Martin, so I'm just going to, like, really try and... Bloody cheeks. Pretty well. I think all of us had reservations about moving away from White Hart Lane because it had so many memories and, it, you know, it's such a special place for every Spurs fan. The fact that the new stadium is on the same ground and the same location, I think, really, really helps. I think all of us can appreciate architecturally it's an absolutely magnificent stadium and it's won every award going and I'm really super proud for it to be my home stadium. But there have been challenges along the way, obviously. it's I think it's quite ambitious, uh, especially with its use of technology and that's going to create a few issues. I think the pandemic didn't help because it, not only that it meant that we, we've only just had our first full season in the stadium this season now uh, with fans, um, but it meant that there was such a lot of churn in terms of matchday staff. So the people who worked on the catering and the food and beverage side and even the stewards and security side, there's been a real shortage of um, good people <laughs> and people who are going to stay in those roles. So I think there's been a bit of an issue there as well. Uh, I think we, both myself and Martin, uh, we've had comments from various trust members throughout the year that there's been a decline in the food and beverage offering, um, that there has also been issues with things like no soap in the in the toilets to go and wash your hands. So there have been a few service issues. But on the whole, I think they do a pretty good job. Martin? Uh, I was going to go on to something completely different, 
which Jane Murioki has just asked in comments, but I'm going to do it because it's really important. And I know it's go on, Martin, yeah, go for it. So just out of interest, will season ticket holders be sent a card or will it all be digital? Uh, there's going to be a big push and we're going to be helping the club on this as well. But if you have got, it's, it's all digital, right? If you've got a digital season ticket card now, don't ditch it at the end of the season because your new season ticket, should you choose to renew, will be loaded onto that as well. That's really important because we've got a feeling that a lot of fans will go, right, season's over, I'll just ditch that then, I'll wipe it off my phone or whatever. If you do that, you're not going to be able to get your new ticket on there without a lot of aggravation. So I, I thought it was probably moves right off the subject and it goes into Cat's area ticketing, but I just thought I'd pick mm. it up because it's really important and we're going to be boring people with pushing this message out inside the club over the next couple of months. No, I appreciate that. Jay, you got a view on Andy there? Still takes a decade to get a point? Is that just, um, well, it doesn't probably help we've got 60,000 in now, does it? Or I say 60,000, hopefully it's uh, 60,000. I just missed today's matches, match day coupon E. And the following <laughs> yeah. week suddenly will be double A. And you thought, I don't know, why is, why is that 17 coupons down the book or something? So I missed my little tear out slip. But, but no, but that, it's. Uh, it, 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 does take ages to queue for a pint there, doesn't it, in places? And we've raised on a few occasions with the club, and I will we'll come up with this for catering, that, that you know, the general standard of service in some of the general admission areas has got worse, I think, over the last few months. Uh, and that's an issue with people are paying the prices they're paying. But, but I, again, there's going to be some division on this, because I think some people are going, what you're talking about with facilities for, we're just interested in the atmosphere in the stadium. And I get that as well. And I think in terms of, I'm assuming that the kind of, happy with the stadium question was really aimed at that what's it like when the game's going on with the atmosphere I think the Man City game the atmosphere you know in the in the, the, the Champions League was, was absolutely phenomenal I thought the atmosphere against West Ham um, the other week was, was pretty damn good as well so that stadium can really bounce and that south stand can be brilliant as well uh, when we want it to be and it's it's a bit of a connection isn't it you know should the crowd lift the, the team should the team lift the crowd well it's an interaction. But when we're doing well and when the fans are up for it, that that is a fantastic stadium. I, I think that's one of the best stadiums in Europe. Yeah, the only stadium that rivals it for me that I've been to is the Bernabeu. I, I think it's an absolutely superb stadium. Mm. And I know what a lot of the criticisms are, but I think, you know, it, it can absolutely rock. Yeah, it can. No, absolutely. I, was, well, I think, I think I, you know, I haven't had a problem with queuing for a beer because I just send Lee a message 15 minutes before I get there. Lee, can you get me a pint? And, I turn up at the ground and there it is. So it's it's cheap as well. Free pint. It's it's excellent service, I think. <laughs> I don't know if Adrian's uh, on the screen. Let's go to Kat. Actually, let's go to Kat. We'll go to Adrian's comment. Go on, uh, go on Kat. John, Joe, when, if ever, will we get a full house? Uh, never. Because there's what's called seat kill, uh, which segregates home and away fans. There, there'll always be like maybe a front row sectioned off somewhere for increased advertising hoardings, depending on what competition you're playing in. But basically, there will always be some form of seat kill. So you're never going to get a full house. Sorry. Absolutely fine. Uh, John, there's obviously uh, the funniest one we had here so far, I think, from Adrian, who's come on the screen, is that you waited so long for the for the pint that obviously it, it got up in price when he got to the when he got to the bar. I don't think it's as bad as that at Tottenham. We know they increased the prices for the NFL, but I don't think we can hold that against them just yet. But uh, listen, Adrian's comment there. Uh, cons of time, guys. We're an hour and a half in. We still haven't. Uh, we still got a, little, a couple of things still to touch upon. So, um, Jace, let's hand back to you to accelerate the show. I don't think I'll put Jason yeah. and Acceleration in the same bracket there, but there you go. Such is the things that last one of Spurs. Over to you, Jason. I'm usually eight. saying the cricket son. I'm trying to accelerate all your time. I know, I know. Come on, Jace. Over to you. Uh, we know that the, the Trust were proud to be the first supporters' trust to back the call for Hillsborough's law. 
the, the law would impose a duty on all public officials to be truthful at inquiries into their public tragedies and would give families affected access to adequate resources to support their pursuit of justice. Is there any update you want to share on this, Kat, since, since that last came up? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm just going to clarify. We were the first trust outside of Liverpool to back it. Yes, I beg your pardon. Spirit of Shankly were the, were the very first trust to back it. And yes, there is an update. So last week, the club announced their formal backing for the campaign. So joining Liverpool, Everton, Brentford, Brighton and Tranmere Rovers as professional football clubs who'd lent their name and their support for the, for, to the campaign. We're, we're exceptionally pleased that they did that and that they recognised the, the strong links between Liverpool and Tottenham here. So um, one of the 96 who died on the day was actually a Spurs fan. Uh, his name's Colin Andrew Sefton. He actually his middle name, so he's Andrew Sefton on the memorial. Uh, he was a Spurs fan who took uh, his mates, his Liverpool supporting mates, up to the game. I think um, in the club's piece, they, they've always fully recognised that. Um, the header image on their piece on the website was the Hillsborough Memorial with Andrew Sefton's name on it. Uh, Gary Mavert, who was his favourite player at the time, went and spoke at his funeral. So there have been really strong ties between Liverpool and Spurs over over Hillsborough. And also, we played Wolves in the 81 semi at Hillsborough. And, but for the grace of God, the same thing could have happened to our fans. There was uh, a hair-raising episode there, um, which, you know, a, a lot of our fans will remember to this day. So, um, yeah, I mean, the club is often reticent to speak out on political issues. Uh, but this, and it should also be said, um, their recent support for Ukraine as well, um, absolutely the right things to do. And this is the kind of stuff that makes the fan base proud. So I want to give them a round of applause for doing the right thing here. We were surprised that they they actually stood ahead of a parapet and joined something which is a, a political a political campaign, but it was absolutely the right thing to do and well done, Tottenham Hotspur. And just to emphasise on that, I mean, we, people have been saying there's a lot of negativity around and we often get accused of only criticising the club. It's credit where it's due. And if the club does the right thing, as it has done on this occasion, uh, then, then we'll say that. And I mean, we, we, we were made up that they, you know, we asked them to back it. We thought it might be a bit of a problem because, as Kat said, they are a bit reticent about anything that's seen as a bit political. But uh, absolute credit to them for, for backing this. And it, it really is the right thing to do. And if people don't know about the Hillsborough Law uh, campaign, just Google Hillsborough Law now. Information's online. It's probably easier than me going at great length here, but it's it's a very very good cause. I oh, mean, most certainly. Before we hand back over to Jay's, just um, just a couple more questions come in, and I'm just conscious of time. Um, just yes or no answers. I mean, there's one here from Adrian on the screen. It says, uh, does anyone know what's happening with the construction of the Sky Bar Lounge below the Paxton Road? This has been a common question we've had you guys on over the last three, four months, six months. No updates at all, guys, on this. No. Not that it's we a, know. Sorry. It's, it's a no, Adrian. No update on that, unfortunately, at the moment. And also, I must also add, and I, I apologise for this, I should have actually put it in the same atmosphere. Paul Coit, obviously, back um, hosting halftime. I think we're all delighted to see Coity back. And I know um, he's been on this show many times. I haven't had Paul back on as well this season. Um, great to see him back. We need that atmosphere. We need that energy. So, lovely to have Paul Coit back on. I did say to Paul, we mentioned that. So, Paul, uh, lovely to have you back, mate. Really, like I say, looking forward to seeing you. On a hopefully a yeah back to frequent basis at um back to frequent basis at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium right um Jason go back to you if we can yep board members Rachel Martin and Simon Sullivan were due to meet the the club's catering team last month any update on that will I get my coleslaw will I be able to have a Thai curry and things like that or or is it back to pie and mash 
Well, it could be a very short answer because COVID meant the meeting didn't go ahead because the people that were supposed to be going along couldn't get there. But um, just a quick thing on this. that, that One of the, the, the kind of regular things that we get hammered for is that we spend all our time wasting our time talking about food and not enough time about the important things. Uh, the, the, the food and drink stuff and the survey that we do regularly to see what people think about it all, we probably get more people getting in touch with us about quality of food and drink, what they like, what they don't like, standard of service, all the rest of it than on pretty much any other subject. So, you know, it's another one of those things where, <laughs> you know, the, the, the sort of the noise about what's important and what people are interested in is not necessarily the same as, as the substance of what people are interested in. It, it is quite a big area of our work, and it's something that we try and do because fans want us to do it. And I mean, Rachel uh, and hopefully Simon, who's one of the new board members, you know, they can increase the work, but Rachel's put a huge amount of work into this, trying to build relationships with people who are kind of running the catering side of things. Uh, and it is, you know, they will listen. They will take some things on board. We've had some disagreements over things like price and whatever as well. But they are genuinely interested in making sure that they can give as good a service as possible. Because obviously it makes business sense for them as well. So it's one of those areas where we can work really well and constructively. And, and just, you know, a shout to, to, to Rachel for the work that she puts into this. And uh, I know, you know, you do a lot of work helping out on the, on the survey because that's Kat's area of expertise as well. We do a monthly survey. Um, where you can basically just, you know, fill in that survey and let us know what your experience has been with, with food and beverage. Uh, if you want to contribute to that, look on the THST news section of our newsletter. Uh, keep an eye on our Twitter feed as well. We always kind of pump it out on there, usually towards the end of the month. And we'll say, you know, have you been at X, Y and Z games? Got something to say about food and drink? And then just fill in the survey. We'll try and feed the stuff back. The club does read all the comments. Uh, you know, anonymized, obviously, so you won't get yourselves in trouble. They do, they do take notes of, of what's said in there as well. So, well, everything. Um, <laughs> they'll take notes of it, whether they agree with it all, whether yeah. they act with it all well, is another thing. But they, they, they're aware of what's being said and they're aware of what yeah. the issues are as well. But look, it, it's generally in their interest to, mm. to to kind of try and deliver what people want, isn't it? Isn't it? And obviously, yeah. the big fight is going to be over things like price rises, which we obviously. Are, I would, I would ask. You know, I would ask Kat, as well as making sure certain foods are on there, can you ensure there's never pineapple on a pizza, please? <laughs> yeah. There goes half our listener base. Kat, do you want to reply to that one? Yeah, I, I, the Hawaiian is the king of pizza. What are you talking no, about? No, no, yeah. I'm done. Oh. <laughs> this, this is a split between the co-chairs because I'm a firm, like, I'm with Jason on this one Fruit as well. On but pizza. Fruit on pizza. reckons I'm a terrible There's snob. no such thing as pineapple on a pizza. It massively is. It's called a Hawaiian. It's wrong. It's totally wrong. Is there more wheels or doors? <laughs> um, <laughs> doors. We're not doing this. I'll go wheels. I'll I'll go wheels. To the official channel. Honestly, there you go. Who says we don't take an, an impact or uh, say an interactive nature of what the club are doing online? Um... Just also quickly on the screen here, Richard Beard's asked, it's again a, a good question, uh, do the club get all the food drink money from the events that we host in that stadium? Cat Martin, do we know the answer to that one? Uh, y yes, they do, but I think, is the question really, does all the money from food and drink go into the transfer pot? Uh, and I think it probably doesn't. So uh, if you look through the accounts, then you know money does go into the club from all of those other events as well. Obviously, some of that is going to be the cost of providing the service and whatever itself. But, you know, the money does go into the club. But if you're asking, does, you know, when you buy a sausage roll, does it kind of buy the sort of the left toenail of a, of a left back from, from you know, Serie A? Then uh, probably not directly. Probably not, Lone Spurs. Um, there was that debate about the sausage rolls. Is that, have we got the previous manufacturer back now, Kat? Do you know anything about the sausage rolls? That was causing a lot of 
I think uh, we'll debate last time you was on. I know, I know the wonderful Rachel was definitely lobbying for a return back to our original suppliers for the far more premium product sausage roll. I haven't caught up with her on it. I will ask her. Okay. I will send her a WhatsApp. I'll find out for you. Okay. Find it with the atmosphere work and get the old chart going because they used to be in the seventies, didn't they? They used to sing hot dog sausage roll, come on top and score a goal. Yeah. So, <laughs> that might be a bit retro for you know. I, I feel so, I feel sorry for Jason. I just feel sorry for Jason at the moment. A lot of people agreeing with cat with a pineapple at the moment. So I'm I'm waiting to see when this goes out on our audio feed. Jace, do you have a view again on this with cat with a with a pineapple? No, mate. You do not have pineapple on a pizza. And you eat a custard cream, oh. you pull the biscuit apart and take the cream first. You know, they're the two things you must do. That there are a couple of accounts that we all know well that in a week's time we'll be saying, as a fact, all that trust ever do is talk about pineapple. <laughs> Can't please everyone, honestly. Um, right, let's hand back over to Kat. We've got some events that we need to be giving a mention here. Um, Kat, we know that the THSD were delighted to announce that the much-missed THSD quiz night is returning on Thursday, the 21st of April at the Antwerp Arms in Tottenham. Uh, do you want to share plans for the events and where supporters can buy tickets? And maybe, yeah, just again, due to the nature of just how lucky we are, the amount of people that listen and view this show, um, I don't know if there will need to be a security guard at the door. If 20,000 people turn up, we might just want to em emphasise the, uh, the allocation for that event. Uh, yeah, so I can be super quick on this because we've had such a terrific response. We're totally sold out. So we're operating a waiting list. And if anybody does want to pop their names down in case we have cancellations, which might happen, you know, there's still a certain virus around. Depends. Is, there, is, there pineapple, is there pineapple pizza there? Because I don't think Jace is going to go. Question for pineapple pizza. But if you do want to put in a team, it's a team of five. It's five pounds each. Uh, so that's 25 whole pounds to put your team in. Uh, then you can email info at thsdofficial.com and we'll put you on the waiting list. All of the monies go to Studio 306 Collective. Uh, sausages at the stadium taste like... Oh, no, I can't read that. Right. Um, all the money goes go to Studio 306 Collective, which is a Haringey Wood Green-based uh, mental health charity. Um, the club is entering a team with an ex-player. I know who it is. I'm not going to tell you. And it's always hilarious when the club doesn't win a quiz on Spurs. Happens every year. They haven't won it yet. Um, there's a raffle with some great prizes. But if you have missed out this year, we do run it every April when we're allowed to get together socially. Uh, so make a note for next year. It's a really fun night. That's that on that. Amazing. Uh, just to Alexander on the screen, are asking, uh, listen, big fan of the trust work. Probably been already been addressed about the THST. Uh, having any correspondence about the club over a takeover investment in recent rumours? I think we covered that earlier on the show there. Uh, sorry, did you want to say that? Sorry, Kat, did you come in there? Yeah. Oh, Martin, over to you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we, we we specifically asked about that. We saw the same rumours that Alexander was talking about, about the, the potential Chinese buyer being being shown around. Are interested in... Um, oh, I'm unmuted. I've got a message saying I'm muted here. We've got you, Martin. We've got you. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, we, we said that, you know, uh, fans are interested in people who might be investing in the club uh, and, you know, kind of want to know what, what the plans would be, are there any truth to the rumours or whatever. And I think the club basically thought it was the height of impertinence for fans to even want to know who might be wanting to invest in their club and what was going on. So we got a complete, it's none of your business. We're not going to say anything to you. And it's all just rumours anyway, answer. Um, but again, it is something, you know, there'll be people out there that disagree. We think that yeah. fans should have a little bit of input into that and certainly have some knowledge of what goes on. There's an argument about, you know, what kind of investors you want in your club. I, I know that I've got particular lines in the sand people I wouldn't like to see investing as well. 
of the people that disagree. And if enough people disagree, then you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing the, the job that I'm doing at the moment. So yeah, because they absolutely. Don't me, they don't agree with me. So. Yeah. Let's hand back over to Jace, who was ill before this show started. By the end of it, based on the feedback, he might top himself when he sees all these pineapple comments. Jace, hand back over to you. I think it's time you removed Adrian from the from the discussion board. I mean, his his culinary his culinary ideas are not good. That's for sure. So I'm, I'm going to drop 16 chilies on his next bag of crisps or something and blow his head off and try and get the boys a sense or something. But um, we know we know from the latest update. Um, cat that we're we're due for the uh, end of season barbecue. Traditionally, a time for Spurs fans to commiserate and moan at the the way the season has gone, but also a, a great opportunity to raise funds for prostate cancer and to promote the the cycle on new Spurs team that traditionally goes to Amsterdam. Any any date in the diary for that yet? Hey, and as you said, at the Antwerp Arms, um, am I off meat? We lost you there, Kat. Do you just want to go from the start for us? Sorry, we lost, we lost, we, we lost the date. That's always, always a good, a good one. Good. We got, we got, we got May. It was, it was really, it was really left open. And we just got May. So any date in May, fancy it. Wait till Adrian's gone before we tell him the date. Sunday, the 29th of May, and a, a special. We'll grill some pineapple for Adrian. It'll be amazing. So, um, our honorary trust president, Mr. Steve Perryman, is going to be our guest of honor. So, he'll be interviewed and we'll take questions and he'll be signing autographs throughout the day as well. Uh, we're going to be opening up bookings on Eventbrite at least a month beforehand. Tickets are going to be free, but bring lots of cash on the day because we will be selling raffle tickets, running an auction and taking donations for Prostate Cancer UK, as Jason said. Uh, we normally have a DJ. We normally have a live music set. Probably going to have a karaoke later on in the evening too. It's a really good fun day out. So um, by all means, everybody listening, apart from the people who've been rude to us in chat, are more than welcome to come along. on the Amazing. Guys, thank you so much. I must say the, the interrogation is over. Uh, the, obviously, the pineapple debate will roll on. Jason, do you want to come back in there? I can see he's ready for round no. three. No? Okay. Brilliant. Um, I think the last thing we've got to say, guys, is that, listen, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, the THSD Forum is a great way to stay in touch and be able to have all the latest news on, on the, obviously, the developments of THST. Um, we know that forum is open to full and live members. Um, to close the show, guys, in which you give us two hours of your time. So, again, I, on behalf of me, thank you so much for all your time. It's great to have you on to get an insight into what's going on around the club. And, um, listen... 99.99% of people I can all say often hear say, uh, listen, we really appreciate the work you do. Kat, how can um, people become a member of the Trust should they wish to do so? Uh, everything's on our website. So thstofficial.com uh, forward slash membership is where you can sign up. So have a look on there. It will really explain in far more detail than I can now in 60 seconds uh, what we do, what our main ambitions are, what our mission statement is uh, and what, we're, what we basically stand for. So Amazing. Fantastic. Well, Martin, lovely to have you back joining us. Thank you so much for all your time. New Church over two hours. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it as always. Yeah, always good to come on and always good. You know, we we, we, we put ourselves up to dealers. Perfectly happy to take questions. Perfectly happy to have a proper debate and disagreement with people if we need to do that. It's all done on an honest basis as well. So, um, but, you know, as people will know, uh, if we get a few brickbats or get told that we're spineless or we're on the take or whatever, I will come back at people and I'll do that to people's face as well as I'm here. If you want to do that as well. And Nick, yes, please do get in touch if you want to get involved. 
Um, but maybe calling a spineless in public is not a great way to start a relationship. But if we can kind of move through that, then maybe there can be a beautiful friendship that's built. But it's always a pleasure to come on and it's always great talking to you guys as well. So thanks. No, you're amazing. Lovely to have you here. Jace, I'm sure you echo my thoughts. It's always great to have these guys on. And, you know, again, not many people would want to front, you know, live audience with questions coming in and to not bat any of them away. No, absolutely. They, they answer everything. And uh, for people that, that, that get on their backs, you know, throw a tin of pineapple chunks from Adrian's cupboard at them or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's, that's what you need pineapple. to do, mate. But no. And, and, and also, you know, Sometimes it'd be nice if Martin and Kat could actually enjoy the game as well, rather than, yeah. you know, let, let's not forget they're two fans that are going to games to watch a game as well. So let, let me enjoy the game of football when you see them as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's no harm going nice saying the, the great work they're doing because it is fantastic work. Kat, lovely to have you on as always. Thank you so much. We know you've had a really busy weekend uh, so you can relax and then go again tomorrow morning. Like, again, I know you've probably got very busy life ahead of you as well. Schedule. Yeah, um, yeah, I have actually, and I'm at Wembley for a meeting with the FA on Tuesday. So it's not—it's going to be another crazy week, but you know, that's what we do. It's all good. Absolutely. No, listen, we love having you on again. Thank you so much to all the guys in the comments. There's some lovely comments pouring in here for these guys. Isn't it wonderful what they do? And again, make sure you're following these guys across the socials. We're going to tag them in the bottom. And yeah, thank you so much for all your support. We are back with you on Wednesday evening as we build up to Tottenham returning to our lives on the pitch. Look at the delight on their faces. They can't wait. They <laughs> let's answer the same question. I'll pass four. Yeah, the the, the disappointment when I just said that. Top of back in our lives. Jason looks like he's ready. Jason was finished two hours ago. To be fair, he was. He's done. No, no, he's done. I, I'm, I, it's, it's Jamie Brown talking about Dybala in our lives that drives me mad, mate. <laughs> You can't accuse me of that. I don't do anything like that. Turn off mobs before a transfer window. But listen, we love Jamie. Got to keep going. He's amazing. He'll be back with us very soon. Uh, but from Martin, from Kat, from Jason and me, guys, keep safe. Keep well. Thank you so much for all your comments and love. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 